This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. It's a different administration, but some would call it the same old Albany. The state's top leaders, Governor Hochul, Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins, and Assembly Speaker Carl Hasty, are negotiating a plan to spend taxpayer money behind closed doors. None of them have spoken publicly about it in more than a week. We are going down right now the same old slippery slope that history has shown us has not worked very well in New York State. Hunter Biden picking up steam. The House Oversight Committee now investigating explosive claims made by an Israeli energy expert who claims Hunter Biden used an FBI mole named One Eye to tip off his Chinese business partners about any federal investigations. A federal judge has ordered Mike Pence to testify before a grand jury investigating former President Donald Trump's alleged efforts to overturn the 2020 election. It's something both of them wanted to avoid. I have nothing to hide. I've, uh, I've written and spoken extensively about that day and the days leading up to it. I believe we did our duty under the Constitution uh, on January 6th. Boys of summer, yes, the boys of summer are back at work. Today, today happens to be opening day of the 2023 Major League Baseball season. And you guys know I'm a rabid New York football giant fan. I love the Knicks. Gone to a bunch of games this year. Bunch of games, thanks to people like Tommy Gucciardo, Corey Zelnick, Bill O'Reilly, and others, and Dr. Mark Siegel. Diehard Ranger fan. Been to a bunch of those games, thanks to guys like Pete Morgan and Joe Tacopina. But baseball is my favorite sport, and the Mets are my favorite team. And today is opening day. Now, the Mets are on the road. They open up in Miami today against the Marlins. Hall of Famer Max Scherzer will tow the rubber for the Mets. Mets will play their first two series of the year on the road in Miami starting today. Then they go to Milwaukee, and they'll be home April the 6th which is on next weekend, 
hosting the same Marlins they're going to play today, and they're going to send Max Scherzer to the mound today, and Justin Verlander, the newly acquired Justin Verlander, will pitch the home opener April 6th against the Marlins. The Yankees this afternoon are in the Bronx, they're home. Yes, baseball here in New York City today, the Yankees hosting the San Francisco Giants, Yankee ace Garrett Cole on the mound. And look, the expectations are, folks, you know this, big for both teams. Met fans feel like we can get to the World Series and win it, especially if the top two starters, Verlander and Scherzer, both in their 40s, stay healthy. And Yankee fans, they can feel they, feel they can win it too. They need to be healthy too in their rotation, which they're not right now, obviously. Carlos Rondon, who they spent about $170 million on from the Giants, he's not ready to go. Luis Severino, he's out right now. They lost Montage for the season. So they've got some injury concerns in their rotation. But baseball ain't a sprint, folks. It is a long, long marathon. We'll be talking baseball final scores for the next six months. So it's really a matter of attrition. If you keep guys healthy August, September, October, you've got a shot. And the Mets and the Yankees, based on roster and talent, both have a legitimate shot to get back to the fall classic, something we haven't seen now in 23 years since that unbelievable Subway Series all the way back in 2000, the year I arrived here in New York. My first job in New York radio was that year. In fact, my first show on New York radio, April 1, 2000, 102.7 WNEW-FM. Never forget it, me and Scott Kaplan on a station that was doing really well, really well. The radio chick, Don and Mike, Ron and Fez, and, of course, the two major superstars doing afternoons, Opie and Anthony. Here come me and Scott from Florida, who know nothing about New York radio, other than I grew up here, doing the morning show there, and that was really tough. And eventually Scott left and Craig Carton replaced him. But the first day we were on, believe it or not, was the NCAA basketball championship game. First day. And that year it was Mateen Cleaves and Michigan State taking on Billy Donovan's very talented Florida Gator basketball team. And, in fact, we did the show that night, our first day in New York, from the old ESPN Sports Zone in Times Square, which is now out of business. And Jason Williams, yes, the same Jason Williams from St. John's, the Nets, the 76ers, that shot the limo driver. He was a good friend of ours. He made the appearance with us. And that was our first show, April of 2000. And then, of course, we know what happened that fall. The Mets and the Yankees ended up in the World Series, and that pretty much got me the job at WFAN. And Scott went to uh, San Diego, and here we are 20-plus years later. But maybe we'll do it again, the Mets and the Yankees, like we did in 2000. We'll see. We will talk to the mayor, Eric Adams, coming up at 740. His thoughts on the new baseball season, what that means to the city, among other big topics, Hasty, Stewart Cousins, Hochul, Biden, Trump, all that stuff. Adams will join us at 740. Uh, Judge Napolitano's usually on 740, but he's kind enough to move this morning because the mayor is only available at 740. So Adams at 740. 
Napolitano coming up at 8.05. Gnomes Nuggets, 8.25. The great Bill O'Reilly, 8.40. The equally as great Bo Dieter live in studio, 9.05. And another great sports story. Saturday night, of course, is the Final Four college basketball. Two great games. Right now, FAU, a small underdog against San Diego State. And UConn, a five-and-a-half-point favorite over University of Miami, where I went. South Florida's got two schools in the Final Four, FAU in Boca Raton and Miami in Coral Gables. But FAU is really the major story. That school couldn't dream about something like this, ever making the Final Four. And their head coach, Dusty May, is a terrific guy. You're going to love him. And he's going to join me after Bo Deedle coming up at 925. So great guest list today. Lots to cover, as we do every day. But let me get to something that happened on this station last night. So I'm out with my son, Gabriel, it's a, two, a Wednesday night, having uh, some Mexican food, a place called Elvez Restaurant in Battery Park. Just he and I, Danielle was working, my beautiful wife. So Gabe and I are having dinner, and my phone starts to blow up. I mean blow up. What is this? What's going on? Sid, Mark Levin. Mark Levin just called you a weasel. And I'm going, what? Mark Levin? As far as I know, Mark Levin and I have been really good for years. He loved Bernard, I get it. He loved him, loved him, loved him. And I guess he liked me. Since Bernard passed away, he's been on with me once, and I've been on his show once. He uh, was gracious enough to bring me on to promote my book, which I appreciated. Did two segments. It was great. Otherwise, there's no real relationship. I'm not part of that boys club, the Mark Levin, Sean Hannity, Fox News, I love Trump. I couldn't care less. See, folks, and some of you get annoyed, you know, like Chris uh, from Monroe, whoever you are, who sent my boss, Chad Lopez, some lengthy letter that he can't stand me and he hates me, I'm a narcissist. Man, I don't care. I don't care. I do five or six really in-depth interviews every day. I'm the only guy in this town who cries on the radio when he talks about their family and friends. If you're tired of me telling you that my show is number one, if that makes me a bad guy, go F yourself. I'm tired of it. I don't care. I'm not going to change. That's it. In fact... If you add up Mark Levin and Sean Hannity's ratings, they still lose to me. I'm tired of it. I worked my ass off nearly three decades to get to this point where I'm hosting a show in New York City and being number one in New York City, that ain't easy. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Then you ask me questions, and I answer you, but you don't like the answer. You know what I'm talking about. Are the ratings better? Yeah, they're better. Don't ask me the question if you're going to be upset about the answer. Don't ask. But when I'm honest about stuff, then you guys get aggravated, and I don't care. But as far as I know, me and Levin were great. All good. The great one. No one has an issue with that, mind you. 
He actually goes by the great one. That's okay, right? Or Imus, who you guys all love, who went by the I-Man. Couldn't call him Don. Couldn't call him Mr. Imus, the I-Man. That's okay, right? Why, because they did it longer? I just don't get it. I don't pray to the altar of any of these guys. I respect them. I like them. In fact, I still like Mark Levin. And I respect Mark Levin. And I agree with Mark Levin 100% of the time. Now, I'm not sitting around at 6 o'clock on a weeknight listening to the show. What kind of loser does that? My God. Jeez. Couldn't even imagine that. But I agree with Mark all the time. And he has distinguished himself as a big-time broadcaster. Good for him. He's earned it. But I start getting messages. Levin called you a weasel. I'm like, why? Oh, I know why. Let me guess. Because at 9.05 yesterday morning, my boss, he's my friend first, but my boss, the guy that owns the radio station, was on the air with me talking about Andrew Cuomo. The guy that owns the radio station. The guy that at the end of the day, him and Chad make the programming decisions. I don't. I don't. And yet, time after time, guests and listeners and professionals, veterans like Mark Levin, who know better, come after me. I mean, I had to have a 20-minute conversation with Janice Dean explaining to her, I don't make programming decisions. Now, let me tell you something. If Mark Levin was getting my ratings and doing my revenue, guess what? Andrew Cuomo would not be doing his third hour. So Levin can get mad at me and Katsimatidis and God, whoever he wants. But the truth is, if he was getting my numbers, this wouldn't even be a discussion. Does that make you angry, Chris Monroe? I'm sorry. That's a fact. When your numbers are just okay and you can't sell a paper bag in the winter, guess what? Those three hours? Okay. We may try something else. Again, not my decision. Not my decision. But they still come after me because I'm on the air with John, and I wasn't, I guess, heavy-handed enough. Mind you, I did get text yesterday from people who said, I'm really proud of you, man. When John was on, you brought up bail reform. You brought up the nursing homes. And I know John did the show with Andrew last night. And I'll give John credit. He brought all those topics up. Andrew lied his way through all of them, and he really did. I mean, his answers were embarrassing. Andrew had the same opportunity to do that same exact stuff with me, and he wouldn't do it. And I don't want him on the air. I don't care. God bless him. Good luck. This is not about Andrew Cuomo. This is about Mark Levin should know better that I don't make those decisions at this station. And at the end of the day, I want the station to succeed because Mark Levin and his millions and millions and millions of dollars that he makes for basically saying the same thing every night, every night, he's about as compelling as a fart in a windstorm. Millions of dollars. I don't think Mark Levin is going to pay for my daughter Ava's college education, do you? I don't think Mark Levin is going to cover Gabriel's six-figure eighth-grade salary, do you? I don't think Mark Levin's going to pay my expensive mortgage out in Queens, do you? 
So unlike Mark, I work paycheck to paycheck. I've got a job and I've got a boss. And I did push back. You heard it yesterday. I pushed back. Cuomo could have done the same exact thing he did with John last night with me, but he scared to death of me as he should be and didn't do it. So I give John all the credit. But for Levin to get mad at me, to get mad at me, he's he's been in this game way too long. He should know better. So as soon as I get home, I of course, I called the station. And I said, what did this putt say? So they sent it to me. So I guess this was like his very first segment, the great one, who from now on on this show will be dubbed the average one, because his ratings say average, not great. The average one had this to say about me last night. At the very end of his first segment, this would be um, this would be cut number 16, Lewis. Here he is, Mark Levin. By the way, Sid, what a weasel. What a weasel, Sid. Sid knows who he is. What does that mean? I'll be right back. Yeah, shut up. What does that mean? Sid knows who he is. What does that mean? What does that mean, Mark? And I'm a weasel because because I, I had a conversation with my boss, who's a friend, pays my salary, made the decision to put somebody else on. You have an issue with that? Talk to the boss. Here's a better idea. Get really good ratings. No one will take you off, I promise. I mean, is that is that not fair to say, Lou? I think it's all fair, yes. Very fair. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I'm, I'm just trying to watch the tsunami from a couple of <laughs> islands away. Well, listen, but I didn't I, attack him. I, I agreed with you an hour. I agree. I agree. There's no way in a million years anyone could make an argument that, that a veteran like that making millions and millions of dollars who knows how this business works goes on the air on a syndicated show and calls me out and says, you know who you are. What does that mean? What's with the cryptic message, Mark Levin? I know who I am. I don't know. Who were you, Mark Levin? Who were you? Because you didn't like Donald Trump at the very beginning. I know that. Now you're Mr. Trump, Mr. Liberty, Mr. Give me a guy. I'm so nauseated by everybody in this business. They're all such hypocrites and phonies and liars. It's Fox News and MSNBC and CNN, all of them. They're hypocrites and liars. But it must be really cool to be so wealthy, so wealthy, that you could afford to say, F you, I'm going to take my stand. And I'm not. I wonder at, uh, at any point during this conversation with John Katzmatidis yesterday, did I say I like and or love Andrew Cuomo? Did I say that? Did you, did you hear that yesterday, Lou? I didn't hear that. Yeah, right, because it didn't happen. No. All I said to John was, I'm not putting him on my show until he talks about blah, blah, blah. And to John's credit, John did bring all those things up last night. But you can bet your bottom dollar that Andrew Cuomo would much rather be in a studio with John Katsimatidis asking him those questions than me. How do I know that? Because he had, he had the opportunity to do the same thing with me and chickened out. So don't come at me. You know, Janice, I kind of get it. Her in-laws died. She's, she's upset. And to Janice's credit, we talk every day. She texts me. She calls me. 
tells me she loves me, but Mark Levin? Sid's a weasel? Really, Mark? Well, what can I say? Argue. I can't argue with the guy who gets a 3.0. <laughs> hey, Rich, you listening? Oh, Mr. Producer, Mr. Call Screener, the great one. Hey, give me a break. Give me a break. All right, I'm done. I'll bring it up again later, but... <laughs> Something tells me that's not true. Well, I mean, don't attack me. I, I don't make these decisions. All right, big show coming up. F you, Mark Levin. <laughs> Listen. Talk to me, talk to me now. Talk to me, talk to me now. Talk to me, talk. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, Great Eric Clapton, wonderful tonight. Is uh, today Eric's birthday? Is that what we've got? I love this song. Love it. Is his birthday? 78. 78, wow. Eric Clapton. Can you believe that? I I can't believe it. 78. Friend Lynn checks in. She goes, that's crazy. I feel bad for you. I know you're upset, but just know that anyone who heard it thinks he's acting like a child. Truthfully, people are pissed at cats. I I get all that. She's right. Then um, some... Station exec in town, who I'm not going to name, says, um, the great one, my ass, he sucks, he's not you, his ratings are not good, and I can't sell him because his program sucks. But listen, I'm not going to bash Mark Levin all day because up until 6 o'clock last night, I had nothing but love for Mark Levin. And I still like the guy, and I respect what he's done. But um, don't come to me and make excuses or arguments, that was really unprofessional, what he did last night. He's got an issue with cats. Call him. Call cats. Cats is a big boy. He's done very well for himself. Smart guy. He can handle himself. Don't go after me. You're on a lot of stations, got a lot of people listening, and that cryptic remark after you called me a weasel twice, you know who you are. What does that mean? What does that mean? So I don't want to hear it. 
It was really pathetic on Levin's part. Pathetic. And I'll end it like I started it again if he was getting my ratings. I promise you, Andrew Cuomo's not doing his third hour. But when you get ratings like Levin gets in New York, which, eh, everybody becomes expendable, folks. You see, you guys don't get that. You guys think, oh, it's all about my people. We're here. If you love Trump and I love Levin, this is a real business. It's a business, folks. We're here to make money. It's all we are. We're not here to wave pom-poms. This show has done much better lately because we're not doing that anymore. Much better. Ratings, revenue, all of it. That's what the station's about. That's why people do radio, to make money. This is our job. Okay? Not to make you guys happy out there because Levin loves Trump, or you love Levin. So don't get angry with me. I do my job. Have been for many years, and finally, finally, because I've got more control, and because basically John and Chad let me do my thing, we're enjoying wild success. Success that some of the all-time greats who did mornings here never have. Never. I don't come on there and attack Mark Levin. <laughs> God bless him. Never should have done that last night. It's terrible. So I'm pissed. He's pissed. I'm pissed. Everybody's pissed. Janice is pissed. Mark Levin's pissed. I'm pissed. Yeah, this is... Uh... This is polarizing, as I've you can see in a while. This has made everybody crazy. Good. Could you can try to think about something that makes everybody this insane? Ah, oh, it's stupid. Come on, grow up. Who cares? Who cares? Somebody said to me, "Well, Sid, how would you feel if somebody took an hour of your show to put Cuomo on?" And I said, "It's a bad hypothetical." You already know the answer. No one's going to take an hour of my show because, well, you know why. But I'd be mad, yes. Just like Mark Levin, I'd be mad. But I would direct my anger, I think, in the right place. And then I would take a look in the mirror and say, well, maybe if the same eight people weren't listening every night, oh, or nine or 11, whatever it is here in New York, maybe it wouldn't be that way. But people get mad at me. That, that's the beauty, Lou. They get mad at me. <laughs> I think they're used to getting mad at you. Yeah. This is really why? I don't know. Uh, I don't know either because they, they, they just, uh, for maybe, some reason. Maybe it's fun. No, they just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. They, they're they okay and pray to the altar and revere and love people. Like Levin is a huge narcissist. Calls himself a great one. Like I said about Imus. Called himself the I-Man. That was okay. But if Sid mentions twice in his show that his show was number one, I can't listen to Sid. Can't do it. Can't No, can't do it. That guy is so in love with himself. Somebody's rolling around in his grave right now. Yeah, enough of that, too, please. <laughs> Bernie. What, um... What did he say about the nursing home? So That's all I care about. The sexual harassment situation for me with Cuomo, I don't care. That was uh, taxes with Al Capone. Right, they couldn't put him away from murdering people, so they got him for taxes. That was the memorabilia event with O.J. Simpson. They screwed up the double homicide case, so they got him on that. The sexual harassment for Cuomo, that's basically what that is. Right, They should have gotten him on the nursing home scandal and others. 
They didn't, so they finally got him on that. But to me, that that was a lot of nonsense. The nursing home stuff, that's not. So here's Cuomo with my man Katz on WABC last night talking about the nursing home scandal. And, of course, the easiest way, the easiest way to deflect is to mention Trump. That's the easiest way. You don't have to be accountable for anything. You've done nothing wrong as long as you mention Trump. We know the border, for example, under Trump for those four years was the best we've ever seen it. And since Biden has taken over, it's a sieve. And who does Biden blame? Trump. I was here during COVID, folks. I was the baddest mother effer on the planet. I continued to take the train. I didn't wear a mask. I didn't care. My name and picture up in my apartment building, I didn't care. I spit in the face of every local and federal politician who told me to do something I didn't want to do. I watched it very, very closely. I watched Trump and Pence and Dr. Burks and Fauci, that liar, every weekday afternoon. I watched Donald Trump bring those ships to New York City. And I watched Andrew Cuomo say, I don't need them, and then put infected people into nursing homes. I saw what happened. Not only should you not blame Donald Trump, you should be honoring Donald Trump. That man got the vaccines. That man brought the ships to New York. That man worked every day to try to balance not killing people but not destroying the economy. That's what Trump did. Cuomo sat there on TV every day with his nice tan and, I guess, according to some women, movie star looks. His DM box on Instagram was filled with thousands of messages a day. He was already being talked about as the next president of the United States. Nobody enjoyed their own clippings more than Andrew did back then. Nobody. My own wife had a dream about him. What? Don't even ask. What? We Don't even ask. You, you, you I am being up. completely serious. <laughs> even me and Bernie for about a week were like, hey, this guy's got it. He's presidential. Then, of course, we all came to find the truth. So here's Cuomo last night with Katz on the nursing home COVID disaster. Cut 19. The number one question, uh, uh, Governor Cuomo, is what happened? What happened with the nursing home crisis? And and people are criticizing you, but I understand there's there's two sides to every story. I'm, I'm glad to speak to you, John, because it's caused me great pain, frankly. The issue has gotten very politicized. It was right through it, by the way, because it was in the middle of a presidential election. And then you have people, in retrospect, who now see a different situation. Let's remember what happened. It was in China. People from China went to Europe. The flights from Europe were coming to New York, JFK, Newark, etc. And COVID was here much, much earlier than anybody ever knew. Uh, And where does COVID go? It goes into the nursing homes because that's where the vulnerable are. Now, it's a political season, and the president is running, and the president says, COVID, you know who's to blame? The governors, uh, and especially the Democratic governors, 
they're to blame for COVID and they're to blame for nursing home deaths. Uh, And then they, they say the hospitals sent people to nursing homes who had COVID and the nursing homes had to take these people with COVID. Lie. John, lie. I don't use that word lightly. So then what happened? I mean, I just heard Andrew Cuomo basically talk for 60 seconds about Donald Trump. If it's a lie, what happened, Andrew? No, you're lying. I, I Listen, I, he had the same opportunity to tell me the same thing, and he didn't want to do it. That's fine. I don't care. John did a terrific job. John asked him all the questions that should have been asked. John brought up sexual harassment. John brought up the nursing home disaster. John brought up bail reform. And I listened, and I listened back all morning long. I did not hear one answer, not one, not one from Cuomo that I found satisfactory or honest. Not one. And when John was in studio with me yesterday, we had a great conversation. What did I do? I pressed John and said, hey, if he's going to come on, he's got to mention these things. He's got to talk about these things. He has to defend himself. I said that, and let me tell you, I got a lot of texts from a lot of people, a lot of people complimenting me yesterday for bringing that up with John during that conversation. And then Mark Levin calls me a weasel. What a putz. What a real putz. All right, what do I got here? What's the, uh, we have a clip of the day today, uh, Alec. Well, yeah, if you just kind of look at all the stuff that I gave you and, well, I'm you know, upset this morning now. Right, because so. you were all bored and uh, yeah. interrupting Gnome during his news. Well, hour. it wasn't bored. I was all fired up. So. Right, right, right. Well, I can't find the clip of the day, so who was it? <laughs> oh, Lou's got it. <laughs> hey, Sid. <laughs> you, should, you really can't find it? i got to hold your hand. I don't have I gotta, it. I gotta, I gotta you, you know why I can't find it? Because you've got it. I don't. That's I don't have. Really. I have your no. Justin went around with paper and he threw it everywhere. He I'm going to everybody... come in there right now while Lou, no, while Lou does it. And I'll I'm tell find you it where you. it is. Traffic is coming up right now. It's time for the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Get the whole story in under 10 New York minutes. Download and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Today's minicast is from the other side of midnight with our great friend Frank Morano, who is right here. He's talking with Jeremy. Horrible. What exactly are we looking at in this image, Jeremy? Right. So what's important about this, so it's called the Mosul Orb. This was contained within a classified briefing. Like a lot of what I have obtained and released to the public, this was verified by the Pentagon that it was part of UFO studies, that it was in these classified audiovisual briefings. And this image is no different. The Mosul Orb was one of the images that our government presented as, hey, these are UFOs. This is what we're seeing. Here is an image of it. And and in fact, I was able to obtain that and release it to the public. It is not inherently classified. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Alec here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are 
the world's best-built boilers at the Garden. The Knicks make it two straight wins with their 101-92 victory over the Miami Heat. Emmanuel quickly scored 24, and Quentin Grimes went for 23 as the Knicks inch closer to a playoff berth. Jalen Brunson, he's back into action with 12 points after his two-game absence. But the win last night wasn't priceless as the Knicks lost another star. And Julius Randle, who left the game late in the first half with a sprained ankle, up next for them is a trip to Cleveland to tip it off with the Cavaliers tomorrow night. In Brooklyn, the Nets grabbed a win as well. Best in the Houston Rockets by a score of 123-114. to It's about time we had a Brooklyn leading scorer, not named Mikael Bridges, and that was Cam Johnson last night with his 31 points in 36 minutes on the floor. Bridges was no slouch either, going for 27 and a route to the win. Thanks in part to the aforementioned Knickerbockers, and that's lead over the Miami Heat for the number six spot in the East grows to one and a half games. We'll see if that lead will continue to swell come tomorrow night when the Nets host the Atlanta Hawks over to the ice where the Islanders squeaked out a two to one road victory over the Washington Capitals. It took a shootout for the Isles to seal the deal in this one with Kyle Palmieri bearing the eventual winner. Uh, Ilya Sorokin would deny Washington's Nicholas Backstrom thereafter and the Isles take the win into Tampa where they'll face it off with the Lightning on Saturday night. Looking ahead to ice, action, ice hockey action tonight. The Rangers and Devils, they get set to go head to head out in Jersey for a 7 p.m. puck drop. And of course, opening day today, your Yankees and Mets back in regular season action. San Francisco Giants will face the Yanks at Yankee Stadium at 1.05 p.m. Eastern Time. Giants will throw out Logan Webb going up against Garrett Cole. And as for the Mets, they're at 4.10 p.m. this afternoon. That's the first pitch. They'll send out Max Scherzer up against Miami uh, or the, the Miami Marlins, Sandy Alcantara. That's sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They are the world's best built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit-In Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Cure in between days. Friend Lynn checks in again, goes, the problem with Levin is he's too pessimistic, and he definitely comes across as a DeSantis supporter, just as he was pushing Ted Cruz years ago. I have him on for five minutes, and I want to jump out the window. And this comes from a very conservative Republican Trump supporter who didn't buy it then when Levin, again, was pushing Ted Cruz. And I guess, I don't listen, Ron DeSantis is his new taste of the week. 
Let's uh, get to Trump and DeSantis because that has become the battle royale outside of Sid and Levin, which uh, will continue all day, and that'll be it. My guess is is that Levin won't go back to this tonight, but you never know. Somebody will send. I like Rich. I like Rich a lot. What is it, Samantha? He's the uh, the producer, right? Yeah, that's right. He's a good guy. And uh, the other guy was good, too. He, I don't think he's there anymore. Rich Valdez. No, he has his own syndicated show right, now. Right, right. They're all good guys. And Levin's a good guy. Mm-hmm. So something tells me somebody's going to send the average one a clip of me calling him the average one and calling him a putz and all these things. And because I'm very disappointed that a guy in his position would lash out at me. And I did nothing wrong. Nothing. And it's uh, it shows what a bitch he can be. Gotcha. So that's going to go back to him. And that's fine. But um, I still think he's not going to say anything tonight. But we'll see. Well, he spent like a total of four and a half seconds on it last night. So four and a half seconds too many. To call you a weasel like three times. Right. Yeah. And then give the old, uh, very cryptic, Yeah. you know who you are, Sid. Yeah, well, I what does that mean? certainly hope you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Trump was uh, all over DeSantis again yesterday. This was in his Truth Social video. You know, the other uh, gas comment. Look, DeSantis is not big on Ukraine-Russia. Neither is Trump. That's what's funny about this, is they actually agree on the whole Ukraine-Russia issue. But Trump says, oh, when DeSantis makes that gas station comment about Russia, he makes it harder to negotiate peace. I don't know if that's true or not. You would think that Donald Trump would go after DeSantis on something they disagree about. But they don't disagree about much. To be honest, DeSantis has adopted just about every Trump policy. So now Trump is basically arguing with himself. He's a crazy person. I'm getting tired of that, too. Boris is on again tomorrow, but I don't know. It was promised Trump would be on 16 times already. And I keep bringing on everybody around him from his counsel to his attorney to his daughter-in-law to his almost daughter-in-law, Kimberly, and Trump still hasn't shown up. But here's a Trump on his truth social yelling and screaming about, maybe not yelling and screaming, but calling out DeSantis again, this time for Russia-Ukraine. Lou Rufino, cut number one. Calling Russia a gas station with a bunch of nuclear weapons or calling Putin, quote, authoritarian gas station attendant with some legacy of nuclear weapons from the old Soviet Union is exactly the kind of simple-minded thinking that has produced decades of failed diplomacy and ultimately war. And where is that war going? Those such as Mitt Romney and Ron DeSantis, very much alike, who insist on arrogantly treating Russia as deeply inferior to the other nations of the world, with no history or culture or pride, are not only ignorant and foolish, but their attitude makes it impossible to negotiate peace. Absolutely impossible. Under my administration, we were tough on Russia, tougher than any administration before. But we also demonstrated respect for Russia and the Russian people. We demonstrated understanding for Russian history and the fact that Russia lost over 20 million lives in World War II. They were fighting with us. One more uh, in this one. Donald Trump describes Ron DeSantis as a neocon once again for his rhetoric towards Russia. Donald Trump, Truth Social, 
Cut number two. This kind of neocon rhetoric mocking Russia's nuclear weapons, along with implying that Putin must be tried and presumably executed as a war criminal, only increases the chance of deadly nuclear escalation. Fundamentally, it shows a lack of depth, a lack of seriousness, and a lack of sophistication on the subtleties and complexities of foreign policy. You can't do certain things and end up with peace. This is not the time for an on-the-job training as we face the possibility of nuclear war. And our leaders, if you call them that, got us there. This is where we are. The word nuclear was never even mentioned during the Trump administration. Now it's being mentioned every hour of every day. We need a statesman and a peacemaker in the White House, not someone who recites mindless and recycled talking points to win the approval of the failed foreign policy establishment that didn't know what they were doing. In 2024, I am the only candidate who can prevent World War III. I will prevent World War III. There's nobody else that's going to do that. Thank you very much. There he is, Donald Trump. He's the only man that could prevent World War III. And I believe that. I'm a Trump supporter, you know. Uh, and I've been pretty steadfast in that. I've had a lot of my really, really good friends, people I love and respect, including the great Bo Deedle, coming up live in Studio 905 this morning, trying to dissuade me from being that. But I haven't. I've stuck with them. So we'll see how these next couple of months go. I don't like it when he bashes DeSantis. I don't like it. No reason for it. Like Levin bashing me, no reason for it. But... In Trump's case, another poll came out yesterday, and he's killing DeSantis again. So who am I to tell Trump what he should and shouldn't do when he is wiping the floor with DeSantis right now? Now, now look, DeSantis is doing a lot of traveling. DeSantis, by the way, is up in Iowa, New Hampshire, those spots, which is a big deal. But uh, in these overall polls, Trump is killing them. DeSantis is set to travel to a bunch of American states and even Jerusalem. And maybe when he officially announces he's running for president, the polls will tighten. I don't know. But right now, Trump has decided, I'm going to lame-base the guy every day, and the polls are working in his favor. We're going to see. I'll tell you what, it's going to be exciting. And there's only going to be one place to get that excitement, especially mornings. And it ain't with Len and Michael. And it ain't with Boomer and Geo. I don't even know who else is on in this city. Couldn't even tell you. It's right here. WABC. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. Eric Clapton, the great one, his birthday today. Got a bunch of great guests about to come your way, including Mayor Eric Adams, Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, FAU basketball coach Dusty May, an epic Thursday edition of New York's favorite talk show. Sitting friends in the morning. Talk Radio 77, WABC.
is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Yesterday, I um, second hour of the show, hour one devoted to Mark Levin. I went to the dentist yesterday. It's been a while since I had my teeth cleaned, and the good news is, is my dentist is right by where we're living now. We've never changed our dentist, even when we moved to Queens, for example. I was still going to Tribeca with Gabriel and Ava to go to the dentist. So now, um, one train stop away. If I walk to Brookfield Plaza, the mall by the World Trade Center, and I go one stop from Fulton to World Trade Center, Cortland, I walk to the dentist in five minutes. It's really very, very, very convenient. So I went there yesterday, and for the first time in about nine months, I got my teeth cleaned. So they're all white and beautiful this morning. But I found out that there's a tooth in the back of my mouth on the right side, which I knew I cracked about a month and a half ago, but it has to be taken out. And then on the left side, I have to get one of my teeth capped. And I'm very serious about taking care of my teeth because there is nothing, nothing, A, more painful than having tooth issues, and B, nothing less attractive than a person with bad teethuses. You see, a, a person that got no tooth over there, they look like terrible, you know. So I'm terrified of that. Terrified. Super pain. Yeah. So I go to the dentist. And I'm going back now tomorrow to get that tooth pulled out and get a cap on my other tooth. I go to a Tribeca, a Tribeca Dental Associates. And uh, now I'm scared because uh, the, the taking out the tooth part, so the dentist goes, wait a second. He, you know, he's a great guy, my dentist. He goes, you're a tough guy. Look at you. You look like 3,000 pounds in the gym. What are you scared of? I don't know, man. The teeth thing, it just, you pull it. Like, I sit there when they're cleaning my teeth, and I've got no pain, thank God. I've got no cavities. I've got a very healthy mouth, very healthy. But I sit there, I clench it like I'm about to get shot. I don't know what it is. I've been going to the dentist since I'm a little boy. My mom and dad did a great job with that. I had a really good dentist on Quentin Road for many, many years, many years. Then I had Richard Stoller. So you go, who's Richard Stoller? Well, Richard Stoller is a dentist in Delray Beach. For those 16 years I lived in Boca, he was my dentist. And what's great about Stoller is he happens to be the dentist for the FAU Owl sports teams. So how does that, why does that matter today? Well, it matters today because FAU happens to be 
one of the four college basketball teams remaining as we get set for Final Four action on Saturday night in Houston. FAU will take on San Diego State. My alma mater, Miami, will take on Connecticut. And the head basketball coach enjoying this dream season at FAU, Dusty May, will join me this morning right after Bo Deedle at 925. So it all comes around. The dentist, ah. Richard Stoller. See how he did that? It won't hurt. Levin can't do that. No. No. I guess not. It is going to hurt. No. Delicious. It's not going to hurt? No. You haven't had a tooth Well, it's not going to hurt you. Yeah, I have. I've had four pulled. I had four pulled at once. I had all my wisdom teeth. Me too. Ronnie Katz in Delray did it, but he put me to sleep. And um, yes. he took all four of my wisdom teeth, and I woke up. Wussy way. Yeah, I know. Come on. Well, I, asked, I actually asked the dentist yesterday, I go, am I going to sleep? He goes, for what? I yeah. go, well, you're going to pull my tooth. That's it. He's not going to sleep. We're going to numb it. You're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to pull, and you're going to go, ah! <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Don't uh, uh, don't ever watch Marathon Man. I've seen that. You have? They pull his teeth out, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's a scary movie. Yeah, that is. I think one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. If you ever, hate... yeah. Oh, it's yeah. scary. Yeah. When was the last time you went to the dentist? Is it safe? Is it safe? <laughs> yeah. Is it? Oh, years. Years. Oh, yeah. You know. got those uh, yellow teeth right now. Well, no, I clean my teeth. Let me see. Smile for me. I got nice, you have nice teeth. Yeah, you do have nice yeah, teeth. I take, I take yeah. care of it. You're but a, you have to go to the dentist. I no kidding. I don't care, if, even if you floss no, and brush ten times a day, you got to no, go there. No, they they'll find some stuff in your teeth right. when they clean. That, right. You know. Do you have a dentist? I don't even. Oh think my so, no. god, that's I terrible. I know. Well, get one. You have a great uh, medical plan here, don't you? Yeah. Noam, do you have a dentist? Noam Layden here. I never really saw Noam smile. So, you got nice teeth, pieces? He laughs. Uh, yeah, I have a right teeth. Let me see. You got nice teeth. Yeah. You go to the dentist? I do. Of course I do. In Jersey City or? Uh, in Hoboken. Yeah. How often do you go? Uh, twice a year. That's pretty good, actually. Yeah. They, they actually ask you to come every six months. I try to come every four months. Does any, who goes to the every six months? Does anybody do yes. that? Yeah. Uh, my, okay. my, my kids and Danielle, and I'm bad. It, it's been eight months for me. But I try to go every, somewhere between four to eight months. Yeah. Yeah. Got to do it. Okay. Well, you're going to have all kinds of issues. I'm telling you, pain and just aesthetics. There's nothing worse than a person missing teeth. Nothing. They could be gorgeous, built like a brick S-house. You're missing tooth. You look terrible. My my guy gives you gas. That's always kind of fun. You get gas? Yeah. They don't give me that ever. You, you ask for it, you just get it? Uh, well, I, you know, I ask for it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> Even when they're just cleaning his teeth. Right. No. I thought they outlawed all that gas stuff because dentists would do that and then, like, fill up people. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, if I'm on it, it doesn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, well, you're like, hey, this is great. I mean, unless Larry Flint's your dentist. I mean, <laughs> I have to say the last time I was in there, they brought out. I guess I hadn't really brushed well in between appointments, and they brought out those teeth. Have you ever seen that when yeah, they bring out yeah, the teeth? Yeah. And they, they were like, you're missing this area. Terrifying. And I'm like, I'm not 12, but they're, <laughs> but they're showing me how to brush my teeth. Uh, boy. Well, they actually didn't complain about me yesterday. Usually it's the same thing, too. Like, well, you you got to come back every four months, and you got to brush better. They always say the same thing. Yeah. I've never heard somebody leave a dentist where they go, hey, you're doing great. It's like, it's good, but you got to brush more. you got to brush more. Okay. The same thing every time. My son got his teeth cleaned the day before me, and he heard the same thing. Good, but 
you got to brush more. So this is a um, public service for you folks out there. Go to the dentist. If you haven't gone, you've forgotten about it, you're like, oh, I meant to do that, call your dentist and make a reservation today. All right? Here you go. Great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So Joe Biden was at the White House yesterday. When's the last time he went? <laughs> to the dentist? <laughs> I don't think he has bad teeth, though, does he? I don't even know. I can't even tell you. But uh, you know, he has he fake was, teeth. He has nice. You talking about Joe Biden? Yes. Those aren't his real teeth. Oh, they're not not his real. No, teeth. you ever seen right. his smile? It's like yeah, un- they're, unbelievable. They're fake. Yeah, they're yeah. fake. Yeah. So what were um, for <laughs> folks that want to know this, Noam, Josh Hawley? What were his comments about the Nashville shooting? Do you know? Uh, I know they got into an argument where Biden made inappropriate comments, but I can't remember exactly what Hawley said. Well, I think that it was something about a cognitive decline. Is that right? That sounds right. Yeah. Either way, Biden was taking shots at uh, Hawley yesterday because he's still talking about the Nashville shooting. So here's Biden with the White House press gaggle laughing about Josh Hawley's comments about the shooting being a hate crime. Joe Biden cut number six. school shooting. He believes that Christians were targeted. I have no idea. Josh Holley believes they were. What do you say to that? Well, I probably don't then. Probably don't. No, I'm joking. No, I have no idea. All right, so Sonny Hostin, one of the uh, folks on The View right there with Whoopi Goldberg and Joy Behar and all of them, she's on The View yesterday saying that mentally ill people are more likely to be victims, more likely to be victims. Where she gets that from, I have no idea. Or any of those children who were gunned down in Nashville a couple of days ago, mentally ill? Any of the children killed in Uvalde, were they mentally ill? Any of the children killed in Sandy Hook, were they mentally ill? I mean, these people will do anything, anything to defend the criminal. They really will. What do you mean mentally ill people are more likely to be victims than the folks who pull the trigger? What kind of stupid comment is that? Here's Sonny Hostin, cut number 10. You know, I have so many mentally ill people in my family. Um, They are more likely to be the victims of crime (laughs) than be criminals. Uh, That is a fact, and it has been studied in this country for over 60 years. So I'm so sick of people conveniently saying this is a mental health issue, or you can't look at this issue without mental health. This is an AR-15 style weapon issue. You hear this? Do you hear this idiot, Sonny Hostin? That the victims are usually the ones who are mentally ill, not the people committing the crime. This is not about mental health. This is about AR-15s. And this moron, which is all she is, a moron, is on a big-time TV show with anywhere between 2 and 3 million viewers every single day, spewing out that stuff and saying, this is fact. This is fact. Not my opinion. Anyone can have an opinion. This is fact that the victims are the ones who are mentally ill, not the shooter. I mean, do you believe that, Lewis? That's insane. I believe anything that comes out of that show. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And no one is there to check her. Nobody. Once in a while in the past, Megan McCain, not often, but she may say something. I think Liz Hasselback was in that role. Maybe Huntsman's daughter. But there's nobody there to check her. Joy Behar and Whoopi Goldberg, they all sit there nodding their heads like, yeah, you're right, girl. 
Sounds right. I, according to my facts, I hear that, Sonny. <laughs> yeah. That's right on target. Ay, ay, ay. Unbelievable. Boy, that's, uh, that's scary. Well, you know my feelings on the shooting. We went over it uh, over and over again a couple of days ago. It is all about mental illness for me. You want to get guns off the street? Go for it. That's a good thing. That is a good thing. Getting guns off the street is a good thing. The AR-15 is not an assault weapon. It's not. But you have to know something about guns to know that. Yes, it does incredible damage very, very quickly. You can fire off a lot of rounds. I understand that. But it's not an assault weapon. But it doesn't matter. Because, again, it ain't the crazy people dying. It's innocent people dying. And it's the crazy people that are committing these heinous crimes. But not according to Sonny Houston. Not according to her. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. We've got a run of amazing guests. About to come your way first. Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up next. Then, coming up in about 20 minutes at 740, the mayor of New York City, Eric Adams. Coming up at 805 for his Thursday slot, Judge Andrew Napolitano. 825, Noam's Nuggets. 840, the great Bill O'Reilly. 905, live in studio, the great Bo Deedles. And 925, what a story this school is. The FAU Owls in Boca Raton. They're in the Final Four. Their head men's basketball coach, Dusty May, set to join me at 925. So this will be a very exciting two and a half hours about to come your way on New York's number one morning show. That's us, sitting friends in the morning on Talk Radio 77, WABC. in the morning 77 WABC Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of the breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination under the Milky Way tonight. Lower the curtain down in this. Lower the curtain down on right. I got no time. So I get a text at about 
Wow, it's kind of late, I guess. Almost um, 10 o'clock last night. And it reads, hey, Sid, guess who I'm going to see tomorrow night at Gramercy Theater? I thought of you. And there's a copy of this song under the Milky Way by the church. This person says you should come. And, of course, if you listen to us every day, you know this band is an Australian band. And one of our favorite guests and a lady that's become a very good friend of mine even wrote a blurb on the back of my last book, Citizens United. Miranda Devine, the great post columnist, is going tonight to see the church at the Gramercy Theater and sent me this text late last night. So I guess uh, that just now, Lou, was kind of a Casey Kasem long-distance dedication. Homage. To your girl, Miranda Devine, who you pointed out early on was uh, was a fan of this band from Australia. You knew that. I took a guess. No. You didn't guess. No, you I know a lot of things. I took a guess because she's from Australia. Well, how do you know so many things, though? Well, I'm an old man now, so yeah. you gather information. That's one reason. I mean, it's funny you say that because I find myself arguing with younger people and going to that. Like, you're young, you're stupid. I, and I get mad at myself, but because I remember when I was young, and my mother and father would argue with me, and their point basically was you don't really know stuff until you're around long enough. Like, and again, this is not a knock at Justin, but Justin feel like they're stupid. They don't know anything. They, you got to live right. a long time. You got to go through a lot. You got to see a lot. Right. And I don't care if you're talking about sports or politics or life. You just don't know. You just don't know. So when you say, I'm an old man now, and I know a lot of stuff, that's actually true. Of course it's true. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was, I was like crashing cars and and getting home drunk. Right. Like, and then trying to get to work the next day. And that doesn't and, mean you're not smart. I mean, yeah, Justin's a very bright guy. He's in his 20s. But you just, you don't have enough information. It takes right. years to gather information. And experience. Right. So, the, so we're arguing something. You have some, I guess, uh, I guess you have some reference. Right. And usually when you're arguing something, historical reference plays in your favor and you just don't have it when you're 30. Just don't have it. Right. Oh. Well, I'm drunk right now. Yeah. Well, you're always drunk. Oh. <laughs> and I also I happened to crash a car this morning. I don't even have a car. Phil <laughs> <laughs> yeah. was telling me stuff that I couldn't even like, why are you doing that? And he doesn't even have an answer back for me for a logical reason why he would do. Well, I, I have to stay up and watch. All right, you're dumb. Right. You're stupid. That's all I That was my only response. Denver and Utah, right? You're yeah, stupid, right? Whatever he watches, yeah. All right. All right. You know. I don't, if, but then it goes the other way because, you know, you're young. You just don't know stuff. You get older. If God's good to me, I'll be 56 next month. And I'm not sure how old you are, but around that same age. Then you know a lot of stuff. And then you get older than that, and you forget everything. So now you're as dumb as a 20-year-old. Like Joe Biden, for example, maybe the stupidest bastard on the planet. Well, he's got some issues I know, medical issues, cognitive issues, all that. But he's uh, at this point, he's dumb. He's really dumb. Duh! You dummy! Yeah. You know what annoyed me last night? Uh, I know it sounds shocking. I was annoyed by somebody. But Jesse Waters, I don't know. I just can't do it anymore. Had him on last night. I was watching Brett Bear. 
You know, Brett's a double agent. He's one of those guys. You don't know from one day to the next if he's a Republican or a Democrat, but he's a pro. I'll give him that. He's a pro. And he puts that round table together, and they were discussing some serious topics, including this whole Taiwan-China thing is really getting scary. I know you folks here don't follow it every day, but the uh, Ping, for example, has come out and said when the president of Taiwan comes here, and he's coming, if Kevin McCarthy meets with him, then we're in for a world of trouble. So Gordon Chang is going to join us tomorrow, and you all make fun of Gordon Chang. You all do. Lou does. Bo Deedle does. I got friends. Who, oh, this guy. This guy's right. Ralph Napolitano. Lynn, this guy's right. China is seconds away, seconds away from invading Taiwan. And if that happens, that becomes a major issue for the United States because our dick-faced president is on record like three times the last couple of months saying we'll defend them to the end of the day, like with Ukraine. So this is not a small thing. So I'm watching Brett Baer because of that, and then uh, when he's done, Jesse comes on. And as soon as Jesse comes on and he gives you that smirk at the top of the show, I just I get angry. I don't know why. You know why, Lou? He's got a face that you want to kind of... Uh... Oh, so I'm right. Yeah. yeah. I'm as soon as you mentioned him, I thought, yeah, so yeah I, he wants to punch him. In the I face. watched, like, the first five minutes, and then, uh, again, I'm compelled to punch him across the face. And then I come back at 8 for Tucker, who I love. I love Tucker. And then um, then I'm done because I, I, can't, I can't stay up. And and uh, Sean's great, but whatever. It's fine. I, I saw Sean's show in uh, 2003, and it's the same show, so good. By the way, you know, I'm not I, – I, I may be a white boy, but I'm not stupid. What? That's what you mean. Oh, you're stupid, all right. My God, are you stupid. Ralph checks in. He goes, you have no wisdom in your 20s and 30s because of lack of experience, which is what I just said. Wisdom is more important than intelligence. He's right. You know, I was telling somebody yesterday, too, this sounds crazy, but wisdom is more important than intelligence. Ralph is right. And believe it or not, you ready for this? Like is more important than love. Go, wait, wait a second. Sit, sit, sit. Love is the emotion. That's the deepest emotion. But I'm going to prove to you right now that like is more important than love. Okay, all you young people, just uh, write this down. My wife is a matrimonial attorney. She deals with divorces. Even in the most brutal, and these divorce battles, they tend to be brutal. And when kids are involved, it's really nasty and ugly. It's really sad, actually. But even in some of these brutal cases... One, if not both spouses, will admit they still love the other spouse. He's the mother of my, she's the mother of my children. He's the father of my children. We spent 20 years together. They're not in love, but they still love him. But guess what they don't? But they can't say. They can't say they like him. So believe it or not, even though love seems to be a much stronger word than like, love doesn't keep you together. If you don't like the person, it's over. But if you like the person, there's a chance you'll give love a chance. Isn't that weird? It's all very confusing to me. Yeah, I know. Well, that's because you have no wisdom because you're right, 27. I'm stupid right. and right because I'm too it's young. Right. I'm not too young and stupid. Right. Yeah. My brain just isn't developed. I can't, I can't do it. All right. Go can't back. Do it. Crash, your, crash your car. Yeah. You know how many people this morning have said to me, this is unbelievable, how many people have said to me, Sid, you're misinterpreting Mark Levin's comments he mentioned you, but the weasel was for Cuomo, not for you. There is no way 
in a million years any logical, intelligent person can come to that to that uh, conclusion. There's no way. It was absolutely meant for me. And what he said afterwards, even more nasty. Oh, you know who you are. Another do it, Andrew Cuomo. It was all about me. Well, we got to listen to it and see what he says. Well, play it one more time, this putz. By the way, Sid. Yeah, what? What a weasel. Okay. That's not for Cuomo. <laughs> what a weasel, Sid. What a weasel, Sid, yeah. Sid knows who he is. Sid knows I'll who be he right is. back. I'll be right back, yeah. Totally about you. Totally about me. Yeah, you're a little weasel. And if it's not, then let me tell you something. I will apologize all day long to Mark Levin uh, for calling him what Justin dubbed him this morning, the average one. That what? Now, I just want to say one thing. What's it like for you, like this newfound identity, just being a weasel? Is it is it weird? Because yesterday you weren't a weasel. No. Today you're a weasel. So does it feel differently? I've been called a lot worse. Trust me. Gotcha. A lot worse. Gotcha. <laughs> this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Eric Clapton, happy birthday to one of the all-time greats, really one of the all-time greats, Eric Clapton, 742 on your Thursday morning, always an honor to have this next guest on my radio show, become a very good friend of mine, very good friend, he is the mayor of New York City, and he's stopping by on a special day, opening day, here in New York it is Mayor Eric Adams. Eric, good morning, pal. Happy opening day. How are you? You, you? you picked a great song to play, man, Eric Clapton. A lot of people don't realize how great his music is and will probably continue to be, you know. Uh, happy opening day. You know, the boys of summer, they're back. They are back and uh, actually started today's show, uh, Eric, at 6 a.m. with Don Henley, Boys of Summer, which is a great song, too. But uh, the Mets are in Miami. They don't come back until April the 6th. But the Yankees, they're in the Bronx this afternoon, 1 o'clock start, hosting the San Francisco Giants. And, you know, you talk a lot about spirit, Eric, you know, Mr. Mayor, and you talk about the spirit of New York. So it's a two-part question here. The Mets and Yankees returning to regular season baseball. What does that mean for this city in both spirit and, quite frankly, money? I think I think that sometimes we fail to understand how sports is really connected to the spirit of the city. You know, you remember during 9-11, I'll never forget that home run that was hit by Mike Piazza. Yes, yes. And how it really just let us know that, we will come back no matter what happens. The city is resilient, not because of the tall buildings, not because of the wide streets, but it's resilient because of the people. New Yorkers are special people. You know what? It's a privilege to be a New Yorker. And I think that baseball and even basketball and other sports ranges 
it's all part of boosting one's spirit, and it it only not only boosts your spirit. There's economic value to it. Every time you know there is a championship game or leading up to the playoffs, there's a real economic boost around tourism, and it really helps our economy. So there's a real you know just a dual benefit of having a you know good sports teams and how they help the city. You know what's funny, too, Mr. Uh, Mr. Mayor, is I love what you said about baseball just now, but you and I have had so many conversations about uh, your personality, right? And we go out for dinner, you and I, and we talk about a lot of stuff, the city, some of the issues, what you feel, what I feel. And uh, one of the folks that spent most of his life living in this city and has since relocated to Florida is the man running once again for president, Donald Trump. And, uh, look, you're on record. You like Joe Biden. You have favorably compared yourself to Joe Biden. And I said to somebody, Mr. Mayor, a couple of days ago, I said, you know what's funny about Eric? I said, he is Trump. He is almost exactly. He's not going to want to hear this because, again, he compares himself to Biden, blah, blah, blah. But he is so much like Donald Trump. He doesn't realize it, but I do. Has anybody else told you that you're a Democrat, you like Biden? But the truth is, in a lot of ways, you do have a lot of Trump in you. Anybody ever tell you that? No, I'm, I'm a blue-collar guy, brother, you know. And I, I think what it, what's great about, as you said, oftentimes we sit down, we'll have dinner, we communicate, is that people don't know how much they miss by having people in their lives that don't think the same things think that they do. You know, we have lost the ability in the city and country to engage in good, healthy dialogue. Everyone is in, is embarrassed to, you know, engage in good, healthy di- dialogue. I love talking about why I like Biden, why I believe I'm a blue-collar mayor, just as you love talking about why you like uh, Trump, you know. Uh, th- this is who we are. And, and when you don't have that, if all, if all I do is sit in a room with people who like what I like, I'm never going to grow. I'm never going to see two sides of an issue. I'm just going to be living in an echo chamber. <laughs> so, you know, I'm a, I'm a blue-collar guy. I like Biden because he's a blue-collar guy. A guy took the train, uh, you know, to Washington, D.C. The guy has some major hurdles in his life he had to overcome. I think about my hurdles of being arrested, being dyslexic, uh, living on the verge of homelessness. Uh, you know, I just see in him uh, what... Uh, I see in the life that I had to live and the hurdles I had to overcome, like all of us. I'm sure you have some stories of what you had to overcome. Oh, God. Got a few. (laughs) (laughs) But I will say this. Some of the uh, obstacles you have to overcome now kind of put in your way that you didn't put here, like the migrant situation, uh, which is a huge issue for New York, especially from an economic standpoint, uh, that's a Biden deal. So, uh, listen, if you like Biden, God bless you. If you think he's a blue-collar guy, I mean, he lives in a $9 million house and all those things, I'm not sure what's blue-collar about that. But the truth is, one of the things that really plagues this city, uh, Mr. Mayor, this migrant crisis, comes straight from him. Uh, he's the guy that is completely okay with open borders. He's a guy that and now, of course, that mayors like you and other governors have to deal with it on a daily basis now, all of a sudden, he ain't talking so much. But the truth is, you're dealing with this headache because of the guy that you pretend to like. Well, and, and, and there's a dual response uh, to that. 
because yes, he's you know he's the a president. The president must take the ultimate responsibility of whenever there's a crisis of this magnitude, uh, there should be a national solution to it. And I have not uh, seen uh, what I needed uh, from the White House around this issue. But also, we have to be honest about the failure of getting real, comprehensive immigration reform. That's the heart of this. And we've been going back and forth on this issue for so many years. And we have to finally deal with immigration reform. How are we going to handle our borders? It's unfair for Brownsville, uh, Texas, as well as El Paso and New York City and Chicago and other cities. And so I think there's blame to blame on both sides. You know, the Republicans have been really against comprehensive immigration reform. And the White House has a responsibility of dealing with this crisis that has been really placed on New York City's lap. Now, you, are again, are not a huge fan of Donald Trump, but you're a rational guy. That's one of the reasons why you and I become really good friends. And I don't know how you feel about this. I really don't. I, I, I like to think I do, but I'm interested to hear your response, this Alvin Bragg-Donald Trump case. I'm going to tell you it's ridiculous. There's nothing here. That's why the grand jury keeps postponing. That's why there's been no arrest. That's why there's been no indictment. And there ain't going to be one. I can't tell you about the rest of these cases, Eric, Georgia, Mar-a-Lago, January 6th. I don't know. But now we hear the grand jury maybe another month. It ain't going to happen because the truth is Alvin Bragg does not have a case. What are your thoughts on the Manhattan DA getting in so deep that he tried to bring a case that, quite frankly, Mr. Mayor, doesn't exist. You, you know, there's one thing I learned, Sid. Let prosecutors do their job, and I'll do my job. I do not get involved with it. Uh, I do know that there are layers to an investigation and that I don't recall the DA ever stating uh, that where was he in the process. Uh, I think there was a lot of speculations. There was a lot of rumors. Uh, there were a lot of innuendos flying around, but I think the DA has been extremely professional and really stand focused on what his job uh, was, and that is to conduct an investigation. And once that investigation comes to a conclusion, uh, then we'll know what's going to happen when any form of announcement or no announcement is made. But that's his role. He has a non-mandate of, you know, that allows him to make the determination on how to move forward and let him do his job, and, you know, I have enough on my plate in the place <laughs> role of a, of a district attorney. Yeah, that's fair. Now, let me ask you about uh, Heasty. He was on the cover of the Post yesterday, and, and I, I defend you on this, Mr. Mayor. Sometimes people are too hard on you. I know you've gone to Albany more than once, more than once, in an effort to uh, this reform, bail this reform, uh, reform bail. And I know you've had uh, disagreements from Kathy Hochul, to Heasty, to Stewart Cousins, uh, they have not been very cooperative. That doesn't mean you're not continuing to try. But all of a sudden this morning, after the New York Post had Heasty on the cover yesterday, now Heasty, according to the Post this morning, is considering some changes. What are your thoughts on that? Well, again, I don't know about, you know, what's being considered right now. The, the, the way this goes, the mayor of the city heads to Albany. I was up there six times to talk with uh, the, the my colleagues up there and really push forward the agenda that's important for the city. And there were several things uh, that was on there. Let me tell you, Sid, when you looked at the list of items that we had to fight for, uh, $500 million 
Japan for the MTA, uh, that is that, that is just not fair to New York City. Um, how are we trying to push our housing agenda? Uh, 421A, these are things that are really going to impact the direction of our city, and I had to fight for them. And on that list of items uh, is just continue to meet with my colleagues and talk about uh, public safety is important to me. And I think that we're in the room having good, healthy conversations. And I, I'm, I had a great conversation uh, with Carl. Uh, listen, Carl is a conscientious guy. Carl knows uh, that we have to find the right balance as we move forward. And, you know, same with uh, Andrew Stewart-Cousins, the majority leader in the Senate. They have a tough job. They got to balance um, all of their members. And, you know, when you are a leader of a conference, you have to hear all, all sides. And I think we're going to come out uh, fine. I think that the this is part of the Albany process, the negotiations that you're seeing now. And, you know, now I shared my view. They're now going to deliberate and make the decisions with the governor and their colleagues up there. So how closely now, uh, Mr. Mayor, do you watch uh, April 1st? April 1st, HOCO, the budget, the city, the state, all those things. How big a day is that for you, April 1? Did I lose them? Oh, oh there you are. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, that's the, you, you talk about the boys that's the boys and girls of summer for me. I, I, <laughs> what happens on April 1st is extremely important. And, you know, uh, I said, people said last year that uh, we had a terrible year in Albany. That was just untrue. We went to Albany with 12 big items that we needed that were crucial to us and for working people. I'm a working a people mayor. And we got 10 out of the 12. You know, we were able to bring down the cost of child care. We were able to uh, increase the earned income tax credit so people were able to get money back in their in their pockets. Got, we got um, uh, the NYCHA land trust. Many people were trying to do it, were unable to do it. I can go down the list of things that Albany uh, did for us. So, you know, you don't get everything you want in life. But we got the overwhelming majority of things that we wanted and so we're going to get some victories this year, and we're not going to get everything we want, but we're going to continue to push forward no matter how hard it is. Yesterday was a big day for you, Mr. Mayor. You launched the first phase of the My City portal. Uh, it was, I know it was you and uh, the first deputy mayor, Sheena Wright. Uh, you also had uh, Matt Fraser there, uh, as well as a host of others. For folks that don't know, the My City Portal is really a one-stop shop for city services and benefits. Tell the audience, Mr. Mayor, about uh, how big that was yesterday in the New York agenda. Oh, you know, I cannot tell you how excited I am about it, uh, Sid. You know, many people don't know this journey to become mayor happened 30 years ago. Uh, I told a group of friends 30 years ago that, I wanted to be mayor January 1st, 2022. And I, every year I would remind them, you know, people used to laugh and joke. They went from laughing and joking and saying, wow, this guy is serious. And while the years went by being a police officer and others, I took notes on my observation of the city on what we can fix. And at the heart of that was this concept called my city. We should have one identifiable way to identify every interaction every New Yorker has with the city. And I I was blessed to have a person, Matt Frazier. I met Matt, I said, when he lost his 
relative to gun violence. I, I met him there. We spoke. I took a note in my journal, and I reached out to him once I got elected and asked him to join my team. I told him the concept. He's, this, uh, he's my chief technology officer. And so we did the first phase. So what this does for New Yorkers, it's almost similar to those of you who have a mortgage. When you call your mortgage company, you're not reintroducing yourself. They have your complete history. You don't have to re-fill uh, out a form. That is what my city is. My city is going to say to New Yorkers, once you sign up, you're going to be able to know every benefit that, that's available for you in the next couple of phases. You're going to be able to know, um, you know, what your history is, how we can assist you. It's a centralized way of finding out what your city has for you. And the first wave of that is with the child care. We had a real child care problem where parents did not know where to go, how to register. That's the first wave of child care. And we're going to continue to add on a new wave of of ways to to just centralize it. You know, it's like it's like the old iPod. The old iPod <laughs> only played songs. Right. Now look at that old iPod. Everything is one smartphone device, your mail, your TV, your phone calls, your video, your music. That's what my city is going to be. My city is our new going from an iPod city to a smart city where everything is going to be centrally located for you. Last two minutes, you mentioned gun violence, and I'll commend you. You've done a really good job, Mr. Mayor, uh, taking guns off the streets. I mean, at last conversation, Eric, you had 3,000, maybe 4,000, thousands of guns that you've taken off the streets, and that's not a small thing. But when you consider there are hundreds of millions of illegal guns on the street, uh, that becomes a relatively small thing. And my point is, the truth is, is that none of these guns – None of these guns get shot by normal people. These school shootings, these are all angry, desperate, depressed, over-medicated kids who are committing these crimes. There's a lot of responsible gun owners all over this country. In fact, the majority are responsible gun owners that never fire their guns. The people that fire these guns are the crazy people. Why don't we spend just as much time talking about crazy as we do guns? I can't figure that out. Well, and you know what, Sid, look at, look at what happened in Nashville. Can, can you imagine being home and you get that call or you're sitting at the table oh. and you see flash across the screen shooting in school? You know, your children are in the school. It could be a college campus. It could be a elementary or high school. You know, my heart goes out to the family members who have to experience this. Like, it goes out to the family members that experience gun violence in the city. And I've visited so many families. And that's why I take this issue so personally. Uh, we have too many guns on our streets. And that's why I don't understand those states that are stating or give people a right to carry without a background check. That is horrific uh, to give people the right to carry a gun, even though they go into some form a mental health crisis. And I do talk about uh, the mental health crisis. And, you know, I get criticized because I believe that we need to be proactive and not reactive. Do you know 40 to 50% of the people on Rikers Island right now have mental health issues? 18% of them have severe mental health issues. We should be catching people before they carry out the act. And so we rolled out our our plan, not only in our subway safety plan, but also in our mental health plan, 
to look at the drug use among uh, among people, to look at the, the mental health crises that's impacting our children, and to look at the long-term care for people. We know that we have to hit this head-on. Many people are afraid to do that, but I'm not. I'm afraid if we don't do it, what's going to happen to people in our city? Excellent answer. Uh, Mayor Eric Adams, as always, thank you for taking time out of your very, very busy morning. Hop on with me. Happy opening day. Let's uh, hope it's a big season for both the Yankees and the Mets, like we talked about from a spirit and economic standpoint for New York City. So happy opening day. Thank you again, Mr. Mayor. I'll talk to you later on today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Say hello to your little guy for me. Tell the roof for the right cage. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. Thank you. That's Eric Adams. Never waste an opportunity to say hello to my son, Gabriel. I love that. My boy, Gabriel. I will do that, Mr. Mayor. Thank you very much. All right. That wraps up uh, the first two hours. A great two hours of radio. A lot more still to come, including this hour, Judge Napolitano, Norm's Nuggets, and the great Bill O'Reilly. Very exciting 8 o'clock hour about to come your way. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. Take me out to the ball game. I like it. Google Dow's version on this opening day, Major League Baseball 2023. Just discussed it with Mayor Eric Adams. The Yankees open up right here at home in the Bronx. So get ready for some serious traffic in the next couple of hours. Don't Olin will tell you about it. Yankees taking on the San Francisco Giants. We go right to interleague play game one. Yankees, uh, of course, will throw Garrett Cole to the mound. Their ace. Yankees and Giants, the Mets, they start the uh, season on the road in Miami today. It's a 4-10 start. Max Scherzer will start for the Mets. The Mets are saving Justin Verlander for their home opener, which will be April the 6th against those same Marlins. The Mets spend their first two series of the season on the road today in Miami. Then over the weekend, uh, or early next week, I should say, in Milwaukee before returning home for the morning. So, Mayor Eric Adams was great. We're going to talk to Bill O'Reilly coming up at 840. Bo Deedle, always terrific, live in studio at 905. And the Cinderella story of the Final Four, the FAU Owls, a school that was literally two miles from my house in Boca for 16 years. They're in the Final Four. Their head coach, Dusty May, will come on. They're going to take on San Diego State before Miami takes on UConn. Now, ordinarily on a Thursday, Judge Napolitano, who's great, He's on at 7.40, but he was kind enough to move to this slot to allow the mayor, who's busy this hour, to come on first. So here he is for his Thursday visit, my dear friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Judge, good morning. How are you, buddy? Oh, I'm fine, Sid, but I got to tell you, the more the more we listen to each other, the more we have in common. So first we find out we love breakfast at the Murray Hill Diner. Right. Then, then we find out we love dinner at Villa Barulia. Right. Then... Yesterday, yesterday, I was terrified at 4 o'clock in the afternoon because I went to get my teeth cleaned. No way. (laughs) No way. You really did yesterday? The same day, the same terror. 
I could talk to a live audience of 35,000 people, as I've done, with no butterflies in my stomach. I go sit down with my dentist, who's a woman, half my size. She terrifies me. (laughs) (laughs) That is unbelievable irony, really. Almost every time you come on, we really have done something the same that day, that week. It's unreal. Yes, it is. It is. So well, I gotta we go gotta back. Get together. We gotta get together with your son, Gabe. Whether it's Villa Barulia or an early breakfast, but we're not going to the dentist to get. <laughs> I gotta go back tomorrow and get a uh, tooth pulled and cap. So you're done. Ooh. Luckily, I, I gotta go back. But things, uh, but my mouth is very, very healthy, and I that go, is funny. So ev- I go every three months. Unbelievable. Yeah. So no, no serious problems develop, and at my age, my pearly whites are still white. Oh, that is good to hear. There he is, folks, Judge Andrew Napolitano. His pearly whites are still white. Let's go to the other <laughs> the, the Nashville shooting. I know you listen to me every day. I know you know how I feel. Uh, you want to make uh, gun laws stricter, knock yourself out, go for it, even though I've got statistical proof that the cities with the strictest gun laws have the most crime. So I don't know how you sell that one. But oh, oh, I, knock, I, knock I, yourself out, make them stricter, make them go, do it, take a million guns off the street. You still have about 200 million illegal guns anyway. It doesn't matter. Until we combat crazy, that's the major issue, none of this goes away. I agree with you entirely. 110% I agree with you. The president of the United States, who took an oath to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution, doesn't understand it, doesn't understand that the right to keep and bear arms by law-abiding people, not by crazies, by law-abiding people, is not a second-class right. That's not me. That's Justice Clarence Thomas, in the Bruin opinion, overruling New York State's restrictive gun laws 10 months ago. And the right to keep and bear arms is not a government right. It's an individual personal right. It's a natural extension of your ancient right to self-defense. That's not me. That's Justice Antonin Scalia in the Heller case in 2008. Joe Biden opposed both of those cases and doesn't understand his oath to uphold the Constitution. And as far as those crazies on the view, to blame the, the, the school. Because it's a it's a fundamentalist Christian school. I knew this was coming. I knew this was coming. They're not going to blame the crazies. They're going to blame the school because it teaches fundamental values and it isn't influenced by like a government school is with government values is horrific. Yeah, it is. Totally the point of this. Did that gun? Did that trigger go up by itself? Did the gun pull its own trigger? Come on. You're going to take away steak knives from us? More people are stabbed than are killed by guns. You're going to take away cars from us? These big government types don't understand human freedom, and they don't understand crimes are committed by people that don't care what the law is. This crazy person that killed these kids. You think that person's going to obey a gun control law? Oh, please, please. I'm crying. Listen, I couldn't agree more. Like I said uh, yesterday, we took Gabriel to the Nick game on Monday night, and we had a nice dinner. And he said, Mommy, I love you. Daddy, I love you. And the odds are very, very good. He's not going to wake up on Tuesday morning and kill a bunch of kids. But you give me somebody who's depressed and angry and has 90 different reasons why they hate themselves in this country, uh, they're going to do it. So it's never a nice kid. And there are millions and millions of law-abiding gun owners that you never hear about. But you get one crazy, and all of a sudden an AR-15 becomes an assault weapon, which is just not. That's just not true. And then you get all these uh, discussions. But I'm glad you brought up the Christian part, because as a Jewish man, 
I have Dove Heikend on all the time, and I talk about all these anti-Semitic attacks, which do happen. They beat up Jewish people in the streets. But what you just said is equally as important, and that is that Christians are under attack, too. Maybe not beat up in the streets, but when the view goes after the school, after a school shooting, that is Christians being under attack, and that is not okay. Agreed. I fully agree with you, and I'm not surprised that they're doing it because they're so terribly frustrated that they can't extend the government's reach into our pockets uh, and into our homes. Now, I don't want to get too graphic, but if any of the administrators in that school had been carrying weapons, this creep might have been stopped, just like in Ovalde, uh, although Ovalde is the police fault. That, that was not the problem here. The Nashville police were like the NYPD, A+, plus, 2.0, over-the-top, courageous, and professional. But if any of the teachers or staff uh, had carried uh, guns, this kid would have, this creep would have been taken out before uh, six uh, innocent human beings uh, had been slaughtered. Where there are more legal guns, there is less crime, because all of these killings stop in the same way when superior firepower confronts the killer. That's the only way they stop. And where there is superior firepower in the hands of a good guy, a trained civilian or a cop, there's far less killing. That is statistically demonstrable. Yes. That is 100 percent true. So I know you just. Now, I don't my... think the mayor. I don't think the mayor would go for this. I, <laughs> no. I love him. Yeah. And I love your friendship with him. I told you a hundred times. I have a lot of liberal friends. Some of my conservatives are pissed off at me because I have liberal friends. You got to have friends on both sides of the aisle. I think your friendship with the mayor is a positive good for the city. I think it influences him, and I think it it, it shows that you have a big heart and uh, and, a, and an open mind. But he's dead wrong on guns. He would strip everybody in New York of their right to carry guns except the cops. I trust the cops, but they can't be everywhere all the time. I agree. That's uh, why I uh, actually do these commercials, too. Uh, I do. These, I, know, I know you've heard them because now law-abiding citizens, it's legal to have a concealed carry permit in New York. And this group, Global Security Group uh, here in New York City, they will teach you how to fire a gun. They, they, they've trained DEA people, FBI people, SWAT people, military units, and their phones are ringing off the hook because while people here respect and love, like you just said, Judge, the NYPD, we have gotten to the point where defending ourselves has become uh, almost mandatory. Now, you mentioned Eric Adams. You, you did hear the interview, I'm sure, moments ago. I brought up the Alvin Bragg-Donald Trump case. He found a way to defend Alvin Bragg. That's fine. That's fine. But the truth is, Bragg has no case. That's why the grand jury continues to postpone. Now, it may be another month, but your column is interesting in that you titled your column this week, Donald Trump can be his own worst enemy. Now, of course, we know that's true, but what did you mean specifically in this column? The uh, posting the photograph with the bat next to a, a picture of Eric. No, Adams. no, hold on. Now, you know, you know that the Trump camp has said that never happened. I've had people contact me and go, Sid, Trump said that never happened. I think he's lying. I think it absolutely happened. I would tell Trump that. I would tell Boris that. And you're exactly right. Those are the stupid things that Donald Trump does that eventually may cost him an election, even with a big lead right now. But they're denying that he ever did that, which I think is really insulting. Well, I I don't know where it's going to go, but I do know if and when he's indicted, 
the first thing the government is going to say is lock him up because he's threatening us and he has the ability to do it. That is just not something that Joe Tacopina, a dear friend of mine and a great lawyer, I'll say Donald Trump has one of the best criminal defense lawyers in the city. I'm sorry he needs a criminal defense lawyer, but, but he does. Joe Tacopina is going to have to uh, confront that. And Joe himself said, look, I'm not, I, I don't run his social media. I just protect him in courtrooms. I can't control what he does and says. But saying stuff like that, predicting death and destruction if he is indicted, knowing that he can cause death and destruction, he doesn't mean to, but there are a lot of crazies that will follow him and think that that's what he wants, is a very, very dangerous uh, posture uh, for him to be in. As for the case, it's a very dicey, very crazy uh, case. It's very convoluted. I don't know if a jury will understand it. I don't even know if a judge will allow it to go to a jury. But the essence of the case is that somehow he committed a state crime by committing a federal crime <laughs> that the feds refused to prosecute. And the whole case devolves around the credibility of Michael Cohen, which the feds say has no credibility, which is why they didn't prosecute uh, Trump on the basis of what Cohen said Trump did. Now, if you think a jury can follow that, a, a Manhattan jury that's far more interested in, in keeping drug dealers and creeps off the streets, I think Alvin uh, Bragg has a tough road to hoe. 60 seconds to go. What do you think of uh, Trump's relentless attacks on Ron DeSantis, which continued yesterday on his social media? I'm with Ronald Reagan. The 11th commandment for Republicans is thou shalt not attack fellow Republicans. I think Ron DeSantis is Donald Trump without the baggage. I say this as somebody who's a personal friend of both of them for many years. DeSantis for five years, Trump for 35 years. Uh, I think those uh, attacks on DeSantis are going to come back to haunt the Republicans. And I hope I hope it doesn't happen. It's not just him. You know, Mike Pence is out there also saying things about Donald Trump. And Chris Christie is on TV a couple of days ago talking about thumping Trump. So in all fairness to Donald Trump, it seems like almost an epidemic amongst Republicans right now to go out and trash somebody else. Although we'll say this, Democrats should not be bashing presidents either, especially Democrat presidents. And Barack Obama spent the last couple of days overseas just destroying President Trump. And I don't think that a former president should ever do that, no matter what. What do you think? I agree with you again, Sid. You remember that old rule, politics stops at the water's edge. You know, when the president goes overseas, we don't attack him. When an ex-president goes overseas, he doesn't talk about domestic America and the politics. I don't know what, um, uh, what Barack Obama's uh, game plan is. He knows, like the rest of us, that Joe Biden is uh, intellectually unqualified to be president of the United States. The Democrats are hoping, hoping either that the Republicans nominate Trump or that somehow Biden uh, drops out because Biden's presidency is indefensible and Biden himself cannot defend it. Another great appearance, Judge Napolitano. Thank you for uh, moving up about 15 minutes and just a really terrific job. Your column is great. I love having you on. And, yes, whether it's a diner, an Italian restaurant, or a dentist, we live the same lives. <laughs> hey, your teeth look great this morning, Sid. <laughs> Yours too, Judge. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. There he is. Every Thursday does a terrific job on this show. My friend, Judge Andrew Napolitano. Thank you very much, Andrew. Still to come this hour, Noam's Nuggets. 
And then, of course, the big one, the almighty, my dear friend Bill O'Reilly. And don't forget, coming up in the 9 o'clock hour, Bo Deedle, always great in studio on a Thursday, and the Cinderella story of this college basketball tournament, the FAU Owls in Boca Raton, Florida, their head coach, Dusty May, he'll join me right after Bo. So lots of good stuff till to come on this epic Thursday edition of Sitting Friends in the Morning, right here on Talk Radio 77, WABC. Friends in the morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Today is a Doctor's Day. There you have it. And National Pencil Day. I'm going to use a pencil a long time. But today's National Pencil Day. I never, ever, ever had two number two pencils for school. Ever. I had them the first day of school. They were gone by the second day. And then I never had them again. And I never really understood why it had to be number two pencil. Do you know why Noam, a number two pencil? I have no idea. Yeah, me either. Uh, are you celebrating National Pencil Day today? Uh, well, who isn't? <laughs> yeah. I guess not, right? No. no. I, I'm, you know what? My thought is maybe number two because this is old school. Remember those when you took the exams and you had to fill in the circles, yes, right? Yes, And maybe the thing that read it could only read the lead from a number two pencil, and that's why you needed a number two You know, you're probably pencil. right, yes. That's a very good Just a guess. That's a great guess. Yeah. Great guess. Thank so what do you got on the table today? we got Bill O'Reilly, Bo Deedle, and Dusty Mayo coming up. I know they're all waiting. So um, I'm out with my niece, and she pulls out her phone, and she has not a smartphone, but she has a what we would now call a dumb phone, right? A phone that only does two things like it did back in the day, right? You could make a phone call. And you could text, and then maybe you could take a picture, but it would be a horrible picture. Remember those days? Those are like the the Motorola's, I guess. Yes, Nokia, flip phones. phones, flip phones. Yeah. So I look at her, you know, what are you doing? And she says she's on like a 30-day diet from a smartphone because she thinks that smartphones might be upsetting her mental health. So I said, okay, good, that's good. That's All right. true. Yeah. So 
you know me, what I like to do, because I was like, she told me that other people were doing this, and lots of other people are doing this. So I did what I always do. I did a deep dive. <laughs> of course. And I found that this is <coughs> crazy, but Generation Z, which is the first generation that grew up with all this technology, thousands of them are doing this and keeping the phone. In other words, so they're trying this 30-day diet where they have a dumb phone that doesn't do anything except text and call and maybe take a grainy, horrible picture. And after 30 days, they're keeping that phone. So here's one woman, Ashley Womack, who tried this diet. There's no browser on this phone. There's no app store. You can't download more apps. There's no email. It's basically everything that I wanted. It's just... Um, a simple phone. Yeah, so you can't use Lyft, no Uber, no Grubhub, no mm. Waze, uh, no QR code. You can't do any of that. But what these uh, Generation Z uh, folks are finding out is that their mental health has gotten better, that they're not as frantic and not as crazed by the <laughs> phone like the rest of us are, right? I mean, <laughs> we're all sort of addicted to our phones. So, um, so this is after six months, she said, of having the phone. She says a calm and a sense of being has overwhelmed her. And she said, you know what? I think there's really something to this. I realized that there probably was a lot of anxiety around my iPhone that has since gone away. And I think it's just that I'm not constantly in tune with the Internet and, you know, things that are going on. And she, you know how your phone beeps or rings, does all these things, and you pick up that thing a hundred times a day. Well, now her dumb phone doesn't do any of those things. She's using the phone as an, when she wants to. She's not, the phone doesn't control her, right? You no, know, I got to tell you, when I think about the amount of time I spend on my phone and social media and all this stuff, she's onto something, this lady. I mean, I will miss the porn. Don't get me wrong. I love that. But uh, did I just say that on air? You did, <laughs> Um, but <laughs> but you're not alone. But on a serious note, it's just way too time-consuming. It's like another job. You're on Instagram. You're on Facebook. And I stopped doing Twitter like 10 months ago. But um, it doesn't sound like that bad of an idea, i got to be honest. So she says, um, I went and I, I got in touch with the PR guy at Nokia to see if this was something really to it. And they said, yes, there is demand for phones that they had actually stopped making. And uh, now some of these flip phones and these dumb phones are being sold in stores to people like uh, Ashley. And uh, I thought this was interesting because, you know, now when you have downtime, any downtime, what's the first thing you do? You pick up the phone. Well, now she has this dumb phone. So here's what she does when she has downtime. The biggest place that I notice this is when I have some downtime. If I'm waiting in a line or waiting at an appointment or something like that, I previously would grab my iPhone and I would start consuming content right away and now I can't do that so it just allows me this like very valuable space for my brain to just take a break and just kind of sit there and think yeah I, I you know she had me convinced at the end of this I was like wow I she's on to something because I know I uh, like even now I'm looking at my, no, at no, my phone because no, no, it just did I know. something. I mean, even the, during this conversation, I looked out on my phone ten times. Well, look at the people in our own studio. I'm, They're looking at their phone right now. Lou Rapino, yeah. yeah, right now, as we speak, is on the phone. Yes. Well, porn never stops. But on a serious note, though, does that not sound a little refreshing to just get rid of the phone for a little while? Yeah, that's why people go in those places where there's no Wi-Fi, where. Yeah. You know, and 
or resorts where they take your phone or people have an agreement like no phones yeah. for a weekend. See, my issue is I've got a daughter in Europe, and i got to talk to her on WhatsApp uh, all day long. All right. Otherwise, Danielle's here. Gabriel's here. You guys are here. So it, it wouldn't kill me to do it, but how do I contact Ava? That's the issue. Well, that is an issue. But Ashley said, I thought this was interesting. She said, look, all the nonsense is on your phone. She says it's on your computer, essentially. And so she says in some ways, you know, she when she walks around town, obviously she can't use any of that stuff. But everybody works on a computer. So if she wants to look at, you know, Instagram, Facebook, whatever, so right, she right. can do all that when she's staring at her computer, but she says, meanwhile, her anxiety level, she, and she never thought of herself as an anxious person, but she says her anxiety level has gone down in a huge way. Yeah, that is interesting. We should try it one week. Not next week or the week after, but... <laughs> yeah, good luck. When's that, like four <laughs> weeks from now? One of these weeks, we should try it. <laughs> the Sid Rosenberg show will be like a whole, a whole show thing. There's no shot. There's no, no shot. Mean, there's no shot. Why not? You can't put your phone down, dude. My phone's down right now. No, it's right well, it's in front on, of you. It's on the table, but it's on. It's unlocked. Well, I just got a text from Ralph Napolitano. And important. you have to look at it. More realistically, a pool on how long it would take. Yeah. What if Danielle need me for something? Did, well, that, what if, what if, what if, what if? Well, that's, what if we all what do the, it? Yeah. What if John Katsimatidis needs me? <laughs> What well, if he's sending me he a could call. call you. He could call you. What else can explain you charging, presumably charging your phone overnight, then by the time get it, you get here, your phone's out of battery and dead? <laughs> How does that make any sense? It's yeah, not you, out of battery. You come in at 6 o'clock, you need the charger. Right. That's true. It's yeah. amazing. I need the charger. You just got in to work. <laughs> but Why? Because, because I spend a lot of hours after work outside, uh-huh. and sure. I don't want the phone to die. Sure. What if Andrew Cuomo needs me? Sure. <laughs> okay. I thought you didn't have his number. <laughs> Did you live before phones? I don't think I did. I'm not that old, son. You're not that old? No. Okay. What am I, my father? Right. Yeah, I used to take a horse to work. <laughs> yeah, that's the same thing. No, horse, you're right. I did, of course, when I was a kid, there were no cell phones. Right, no. There, there were pay phones. Yes, I didn't even have a dime for that. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to go back to those days, Maybe. don't we? Do you think, on a serious note, that for the most part, for the most part, cell phones are not good for you? Because somebody goes, listen, there are some things that, that are bad, no question about it, but we need them, right? It's a, it's a, you get the contact with your wife, your kids. Although, do you think for the most part cell phones are a bad thing? Do you really think we were better off many years ago without them? Yeah. Really? I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, you're on your phone all the time, too. I'm 27 years old. So because you're young and stupid, that makes it okay? Exactly. Okay. Yes. Fair yes. enough. All right. Bill O'Reilly's coming up next. <laughs> Talk Radio 77 WABC. Is that right? Mayor Eric Adams was on with me about an hour ago. I think he's a Yankee fan. Yeah, I believe so. He is, right? I would imagine. Most people from Brooklyn are Mets fans, though. Most of us. Where'd, Yankee you, get, where'd fans. you get that statistic? Well, I just know for a fact. Oh. Brooklyn Mets, Long Island Mets, uh, Manhattan Yankees, 
Bronx Yankees. Well, Brooklyn Dodgers left. Right, and that's there you the go. Void, the void well, well, that right there explains it to you. Queens has got to be the Mets, I guess. Yeah, I just said that, right? Oh, oh did you? Yeah. Oh, oh. That's a great call out of you. <laughs> yeah, you think Flushing likes you know, the Mets? You're, really, I'm a, you're up goal. to here. I'm, the, yeah. like, I'm up to me, here with you. Give yeah. me your phone right now. My next guest was the best. He still is the best. He'll always be the best. He's a Mets fan. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I enjoy going to games with him, whether he's on uh, WABC, 9 p.m. every weeknight, or on his own website, BillOReilly.com. There's nobody better. His interviews, his TV shows, his columns. I really like his column this week. The name of it is America the Exhausted, and he makes a really good argument whether you're for Biden or for Trump. They're equally as exhausting. So with that said, here he is, the best ever, my dear friend Bill O'Reilly. Good morning, Bill. Hey, I'm down here in Washington, so I hadn't uh, listened to the show today. There weren't any brawls or anything. Nobody got hauled out, did they? Not yet. I mean, I did start the show the first hour just savaging Mark Levin, who is angry with me because uh, twice now in his last four shows, uh, we've decided at this station, John Katsimatidis, to put Andrew Cuomo live on the air Friday and last night and take an hour away from Mark Levin and uh, I had that discussion with John on my show yesterday. So now Levin equates me with the guy who's part of that decision-making, which is ridiculous and not true. So Levin went after me on his show last night, Bill. But it's so easy to blame you. And, <laughs> and that You know, why wouldn't I do the same thing if I were Levin? I, I'd have people go to your house. I'd have people demonstrate, you know. Look, um, I don't blame Levin. I mean, you know, he's a professional. He wants to get as much exposure as possible. But the radio station makes decisions based upon who they feel uh, is going to be stronger in any given time slot. So that's capitalism. And, you know, I don't know why it has to be a personal beef. I I don't get that. Why does it have to be a personal beef, the business decision, right? Well, well, it's a personal beef because – According to uh, Janice Dean, for example, and others who are very close to Levin, who are at Fox News, it's not that uh, it's the business decision. It's not even that he's a Democrat, but Mark Levin thinks Andrew Cuomo is a quote-unquote murderer. So it's bad enough you're preempting yeah, the great I know that. Yeah, so there you but, go. What, what, the step back is this, and I always tell people when you get emotionally involved, and whether you're, it's your private life or your public life or political, whatever, you take a deep breath and you step back. Okay, because if you don't, then crazy stuff can happen. So to me, this is about the free marketplace. That's what this is about. I don't believe in the cancel culture, number one. And I don't think most Americans believe in it either. Um, Yeah, I didn't like what uh, Governor Cuomo did with the COVID nursing homes. I thought that was terrible, awful. And, you know, I understand why people to this day, uh, are angry because some of those people lost loved ones. And that's how bad that was. But there comes a point where this is America, and there are people who like Andrew Cuomo, want to hear him. And what he's supposed to do, he's supposed to he goes to a leper colony on Molokai? <laughs> Come on. I mean, yeah. yeah, and people should call Andrew Cuomo up. And tell them what they think in a civil way, right? That's what we are here. That That's democracy. That's freedom. And this cancel culture stuff is so wicked. Yeah. It's wicked. No, no I agree. Because it's used, it's used 
in a variety of ways to yep. silence people, and it's wrong. I agree. Now, uh, John did a great job. We'll, we'll wrap up the Cuomo conversation here. John Katzmatidis did a great job with Cuomo last night. He brought up every one of the disasters, from the sexual harassment issue to nursing homes to bail reform. John did it all. But Andrew had the same opportunity to come on with me. And after saying yes, he decided not to because he was scared to death. Well, make fun of him there. Well, make fun of him. I should? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Anybody who dodges you, uh, I wouldn't be angry. I, I do what I do myself. I just go, oh, we're going to give him a courage pill. <laughs> to send him a little courage pill. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. If he can't stand up to Sid Rosenberg, I mean, that's not a good sign. Is it? No, no. But I'm not going to continue. Look, WABC, I admire this station. I'm not saying that because I'm on it. I admire it because it's not politically correct. It gives voice to unpopular people like me. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and and you. Yes, yes. But we, you know, we gather an audience. We, We have things to say, and that's what free expression should be. So I want everybody to calm down and knock this off, or I'm going to have to come to your house. <laughs> I'd like that, actually. You can watch the Met game later on this afternoon. Uh, yeah, and it, I do root for the Yankees, too, because uh, I know you had Randy Levine on uh, earlier this week. Um, and, uh, you know, I admire the legacies of the sports franchises in New York, and that's one of our strongest suits here, I believe. I agree. Uh, the sports in New York, not just here, but some of those other provincial cities, as you know, Bill, Boston, Chicago, even Philly, uh, that's what makes some of these cities really special. And that's usually, by the way, when, when if you're a Republican or a Democrat and no one even knows, right? You're a Yankee fan today in the Bronx at 1 o'clock. You're a Met fan today at 4 o'clock in Miami. And we don't care who you're voting for. We want our teams to win. Yeah, I mean, sports is supposed to bring people together, although, you know, the Philadelphia crew, I'm not quite sure it works down there. Um, you know, even in Boston. You got, but when I go to Boston, people think I'm from there because I worked local news there for a long time with school there. Um, um, and sports, generally speaking, is a uniter in this country. It takes us away from the terrible political situation that we have now, and it's a good, positive thing. Now, the, but the politics, of course, is today's real blood sport. That's the one where people get really insane. It's less about the Lakers and the Celtics and the Yankees and the Red Sox. You give me Trump, Biden, we'll fight all day long. But your column today, and I really enjoyed it, once again, America the Exhausted, you go on to make a point that whether you're for Biden and you come out and say he's done a terrible job, no ifs, ands, or buts, or Trump, who is seemingly in trouble every day, both sides, it's exhausting. It's hard to argue that, Bill. No, I mean, and that it's also, um, to me, the culture also. I mean, do we have to every day in the New York Post have Kim Kardashian every day? Can't we just have <laughs> Monday and Thursday Kardashian day? Does it have to be every day? I mean, the culture is shrinking and so these people who know how to manipulate it, I mean, really, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez, do I care they're looking for a $60 million mansion and they're having trouble finding it? No, I don't care. Okay, is that clear enough for everybody? But it's rammed down our throats. 
And so you turn on any newscast and uh, on television, and you, you see the same old stuff over and over again, and people are, like, running into the streets screaming. It's a rerun of the movie Network. Mm. And, you know, we need some relief. We need some relief. And that column is on BillOReilly.com. And you don't need relief from BillOReilly.com, Sid. No. You need to go there every day and, and absorb the wisdom. Agreed. And uh, be be on the team, which I am, because I did receive that wonderful stuff at my house in Queens. Team Normal. Normal. Yes, I got it, and I wear it to the gym. And less and less people are on Team Normal because both sides are just uh, out of control. But but I do think the left is worse, and I am a Republican. Yes, I agree. Yep, and I am a Republican. I am. But but I want to talk about Trump for a second. The grand jury once again has postponed this thing. Now it may be a month. There seems to be a growing consensus that it ain't never going to happen, but that doesn't mean Trump is out of trouble. There is still Georgia. There's still January 6th. There's still Mar-a-Lago. And most people that I talk to, including Dershowitz, believe one of these they're going to try to make stick. So New York may go away. It may or may not. But that doesn't mean that Trump is out of trouble. Yeah, I think, you know, uh, Alvin Bragg, from what I understand, is going to recall the Trump grand jury about Stormy Daniels on Thanksgiving. They're going to have a little meal. Um, clearly, Trump kicked his butt. Yeah. Kicked his butt all over. The, and he didn't know what to do. So he's punting. And, I'm the, you know, I don't think we're going to ha- see an indictment. Yeah, you know, but it's funny. You, know, you say Trump kicked his butt. But was it was it Trump? Yeah, or, oh, yeah, it was. Well, what it about was what was it? Was it really Bob Costello? And, by the way, Michael Cohen, because no one's going to believe that guy. No, no, you're on a different track. I'm on the PR track. Ah. I don't care about the testimony track. That's that's up for the uh, that's up for the uh, yeah. people on a grand jury. Okay, <laughs> but the PR. Listen, people hate Trump, but they underestimate his ability to see the big picture. So he comes out and he says, "Oh, I'm going to get arrested on Tuesday." Well, what happens? All hell breaks loose. He's in the news cycle every second. Brilliant. That's annoying to me, by the way. I mean, you know, okay, a little bit, but do I have? I'm starting to see this man in my dreams, <laughs> you know, and the hair is frightening me even more than it usually does. <laughs> and 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 so he comes out. He says, "He's going to arrest me. He's going to arrest me." Everybody goes crazy. Well, Trump didn't know he was going to get arrested. No. no. So meantime, Bragg is then on the defensive, backpedaling, knows he has a weak case. And everybody's going, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? And there's Alvin going, uh, I don't know. We'll delay it. <laughs> yeah. Who wins? No, it was brilliant. You know, you're right. It right. was brilliant. He went on the offensive uh, early. You and... go on offense yep. to crush yeah. uh, your opponent. I'll tell yeah. you one thing, though. You talk about, though, how things, you watch stuff, it doesn't change. And I feel guilty saying this, but as soon as I saw what happened in Nashville, and you know this, Bill, I could have told you exactly, exactly what Joe Biden, Hillary Clinton, Joe and Mika, all these people would say, which is guns go out and kill people. Now, I'm all for taking guns off the streets. I'm all for making stricter gun laws. Do it. Knock yourself out. I don't care. Uh, But to continue to act as if crazy doesn't kill is insulting to the little dead children on the classroom floor. And quite frankly, any decent-minded American. It really is. Well, and we see it all the time because this is called exploitation. 
so you don't let a good tragedy go to waste. And they, they run right out. Biden was particularly offensive because he was laughing and eating ice cream at the same time he was saying all this gibberish. I put forth, I think, a very solid, you're never going to solve the gun violence problem ever in America, but you can contain it better. And I put forth on BillOReilly.com is two things you have to do. All gun crimes, criminals, are tried in federal court, and then each state has its own assault rifle registration process. And it, you have to let the states, because there's a difference between New York City, where you cannot get an assault rifle, and Montana is a difference. And so I put that forth, and nobody seriously challenged it, because that is the solution, particularly in violent crime on the street. So Alvin Bragg, if you're caught with an illegal firearm and you have a rap sheet of violence, he still will not many times prosecute you or hold you on bail. So what do you think is going to happen? Right. And here's, the, here's another stat. So Axios, the left-wing website, says there were 58 mass shootings this month of March. You know no, how they, many no, they, they, no, they actually said 58 deaths, uh, but uh, a couple of hundred mass shootings. 58 deaths. Uh, I think the mass shooting was 58, Sid. That's the stat we have. Okay. okay. And out of the 58, how many were... Disturbed individuals like Nashville? All of them. Two. Really? Two out of the 58 mass shootings. The rest were drive-by drug gangs and mostly inner-city crime, which you don't hear a word about. Gotcha. So it's okay to murder people in Bushwick and in Harlem and in the Bronx. You can shoot them down in the street, and Alvin Bragg not going to do anything about it, or Hochul or anybody, or Biden. But... You know, the other issue, which is horrible, by the way, three nine-year-olds, come on, everybody knows that. But in a nation of 330 million people, you're going to have mentally ill, violent folks running around, and you're never going to be able to stop that. You know, MSNBC made an argument this morning, Bill O'Reilly, that it's too late, including Ron DeSantis, at this point, this early on, ways away from November 2024, that it's already too late for any Republican to really amount a threat to Donald Trump. you believe that? No, I don't believe that at all, but it's MSNBC. So to me, MSNBC and the Easter Bunny have equal credibility. (laughs) All right? So... On Long Island, they have a lot of Easter bunnies running around, you know, hiding the eggs for the kids to find. I would rather get the Easter bunny or Mr. Met. Me too. Me too. MSNBC. Me too. So, you know, it's, it's a matter of perspective, Sid. Do you think Ron DeSantis, if and when he does decide to run, which he will, I know he's He's going to travel an awful lot the next couple of weeks, about 20 states and Jerusalem. And I know he's getting a lot more money donations than Donald Trump. Do you think he will mount a serious threat? Because he's getting annihilated in every poll, annihilated. Yeah, but that's the polls now don't matter um, because they don't know DeSantis yet. So DeSantis is a firm number two. I don't see anybody else in the Republican field having a chance. Um, but I think DeSantis could get the nomination, depending on what happens to Donald Trump. And, you know, look, the left 
they want to destroy Donald Trump, kill him, and then they'll turn their attention to DeSantis. All right? So Ron's not going to get past him. These people are going to go after him. You're going to hear terrible things about him. But at this point, I think it's a two-way race. But on the Democratic side, it's, it's a no-way race. They don't have anybody. No. All right? So – is Joe Biden is going to go out and eat ice cream in all 50 states <laughs> campaigning? I mean, is that what it's going to be? And does he do anything every day? I know. And there's nobody to replace him. No. Nope. They have no one to replace him. No one to challenge him in a primary. Nobody. It's They're in a lot worse shape than the Republican Party right now. No, I agree. I did see Michelle Obama in a different country with Barack, who spent the last two days just savaging Donald Trump in another country. Yeah, <laughs> Australia. You know, yeah, um, yeah. I saw the picture. Michelle did not look happy. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, you know, you never know the dynamic down there. I like Australia. I mean, when I was there, I had a blast. Yeah. It's, you know, there are a lot of snakes, though. Yeah, I mean, you got to watch out. Yeah, a lot of critters running around in Australia. Not yeah. many people, but they have a lot of critters. Yeah. Sharks, a lot of, a lot of stuff that will bite you. Yeah. yeah. So maybe that's what was just, uh, you know, uh, upsetting Michelle, you know, maybe she saw a giant koala bear. I don't know. She did look uh, aggravated, to say the least. But uh, listen, this is another uh, great appearance, really is, Bill. So, what do you think the Mets uh, make the World Series this year, or what? Well, tremendous pressure on the Mets, far more than the Yankees, and uh, I'm a little worried about the, the guys because it's, I don't know how much fun they're going to have when everybody expects them to win every game. And there's a lot of pressure there. So, um, you know, we're rooting for them. We're going to be supportive, but we'll tell the truth. But it, they're under a lot of pressure, that's for sure. Expectations through the roof. Agreed. Buck Showalter. Not an easy job this year. But you're under pressure every Thursday on this show, and you hit it out of the ballpark every single time. So, if Yeah, the... I wish you'd ease, ease up on me, Sid. You know what I mean? I, <laughs> Just, I'll try. Kind of, I'll try. I'm a mess when I get off WABC in the morning. I'm sure. Well, thank you so much for this. <laughs> I love you, Bill. We'll talk, do it again next week. Thank you. All right. Take care. There he is, folks. The best, Bill O'Reilly. That wraps up our number three. Been a great three hours. Mayor Eric Adams, Judge Napolitano, Bill O'Reilly. Got a really good fourth hour coming up. My man, Bo Dietl, always terrific, live in studio. And then we'll talk to the head basketball coach at FAU, Dusty May. FAU getting set to take on San Diego State on Saturday night. Keep it right here, 9 o'clock hour. Coming up next. Come out of the cupboard, you boys and girls. Running, calling, that don't look to us. Phony Beatlemania is putting the... This is Sid and Friends in the Morning, 77 WABC. This is uh, Metropolis by the Australian band The Church. And Miranda Devine, the great New York Post columnist, texted me at 10 o'clock last night that she's going to see this band at the Gramercy Theater later on tonight. Miranda will join me on this show tomorrow. But we do put this time aside every Thursday morning for an in-studio appearance by my main man of all the guests I have on all week long. I love him more than anybody. 
a great actor, great cop, and most important, the most loyal and dear friend you'll ever have. And uh, well-dressed, too, I must say, uh, the great Bo Deedle. Good Thursday morning, Bo. How are you, pal? I'm really good. You know I'm really good? Right. I'll say the name. John Katsimatidis. I love doing WABC radio because I'm allowed to tell the truth. Yes. You know what's going on. I want people to go to my true crime podcast. This week, I talk about Fox News. I talk about what they did to me with all the lies. And then I also talk about $1.6 billion lawsuit. What's the name of that? Dominion? It's Dominion. Now I have a little inside operation going on, and oh. I'm finding out. All their emails, all their texts, there's in the fighting. Hannity's fighting with uh, Tucker. Everybody's throwing everybody to the wolves. Uh-oh. And you know what they can't do? They got that kid. Now, with all respect, something came back to me. And I'm going to apologize because people who are older, I always apologize. I'll apologize to Rupert Murdoch. And I don't want to knock him anymore because right now I have respect for all elderly people and people who are older than me. And I'm sorry, Ruben, but all I'm asking for is your son to find his ball bag, Lachlan, and go and talk to me and let me tell you exactly. But you don't want to. All you do is ban me from the building. And I'm talking to Joe Takapina, and I'm talking about doing a lawsuit against Fox. You can't disparage me. I did nothing wrong. They had me putting bugs in computers and bugs on telephone. The only bugs they had was probably... Probably the cockroaches that are crawling around Fox Soap. Now, this dates all the way back to Roger Ailes, obviously. Well, you know what? I'm a loyal guy. What Roger Ailes did, I'm still a friend. And if you went down, you know I'd be there. Of course. If John went down, I'd be there. And by the way, it was you and Roger Ailes that kept our late dear friend Bernard employed with Imus. Without you two guys, Bernie's out of a job 15 years ago. Well, the whole thing, I was very close to Roger until the last three years, I'll be honest with you. He had. Very bad diabetes. I used to walk in his office. For the last three years, I couldn't. Nobody asked me a question. And Diane Brandy was the general counsel. We were hired through Becca Epstein, a law firm from Park Avenue. We did the investigation. That's my business. And then all of a sudden, they throw me to the wolves, and they tell me, Bo is having meetings at Roger's house upstate, Jersey. So I'd never been to his house. <laughs> then I was head of black operations on his 17th floor. You guys are psychopaths and never... Never did they give me an opportunity to talk. Put me on a lie detector. I have never. Then we followed We followed somebody. My company did. It wasn't Roger Allen. It wasn't Roger. It was Sumner Redstone. Right. When he died, I found out they hired my company to follow Mr. Murdoch's wife. That's the facts. So anything else in a bunch of lies. And Lachlan and Suzanne Scott, you're the CEO. Why don't you find a little girthitation? I know it's in turmoil over there. I'm selling my Fox stock because, you know what? You're going to be founded with those emails and texts. Remember, don't put stuff in emails. Right. And then all of a sudden. Well, unless you're Hillary Clinton, you can just erase When you're sworn in under a deposition and you lie, you can get purgatized. Oh, boy. So right now. Fox should be reaching out to me to help them in what I do best. I do investigations. I do interviews. That's what I do best. But we're having a battle right now. And, you know, it did come back to me because I said something about to Mr. Murdoch. And, again, my apologies. It takes a bigger man to apologize Agreed. for something. And I do apologize. Well, that's why you're always down on Donald Trump. You're still waiting for Trump to apologize uh, about John McCain. Uh, don't even <laughs> don't even go with Trump, please. After that baseball bat incident. He said like, he never did it. He said oh, the Democrats. Come on. You know damn well he's a friggin' liar. Enough. And leave, leave DeSantis alone. I'm going to give your people to listen. All our listeners... Did you ever watch a race, a six-furlong race? Of course. 
You ever seen a female horse coming from the back? The, what's that, Philly? That's a Philly. A Philly. Yeah. There is a Philly in the stables, and her name is Michelle Obama. That is going to run out well, at the end. I don't know. And take, when you go to that closing, to the yes. and now it's the back stretch. All of a sudden, to the to the finish line, yeah. she's going to jump in. You think and so? And if we don't have DeSantis, which has a possibility, because yeah. if Donald Duck runs, we're <laughs> out of it. Come on, this guy's. You, oh, you, I didn't know this. That wasn't me with the baseball oh, bat. I know he's lying. But you really think Michelle Obama's going to do it? By the way, talking about horses, you know, your friend and mine right now Vinny has... Viola. Yes, Forte. Yeah. That horse is going to yeah. win the Kentucky Derby. Kentucky, second time, second time. Yeah. Yeah, now, you know what we were talking about? And first of all, you had uh, uh, Mr. O'Reilly on with all respect. Yeah. Everybody, and then, then your friend Mark Levin. Hey, Mark, I'm with Sid. If you talk, call him a name, you're calling me name. If you got a problem, <laughs> I'll slap that ugly face of yours. You leave Sid alone, all right? Shit is the man. I had nothing to do with it. I mean, I know. I, why is he mad at me? He what? called you a squirm. A weasel. A weasel. And he goes, and you know who, what you are, yeah, whatever yeah. that means. Just put know. your glasses a little lower and look into a book. <laughs> I have a lot of respect for you. You're a very smart man. Don't yes. attack the family. Remember, you don't ever go against the family. That's I know the most that. Important. Believe me, I know now that. Now, we, we saw our little guy there, that little midget, the Hennessy, Hennessy I talk about all the time. Who? Call Hennessy, oh, whatever Carl Hennessy, yes. That guy, too. Yes. That guy, too. By the way, Mayor Eric Adams, your friend, your yeah, friend was yeah. on with me. You heard it. Yeah. He, uh, he had an opportunity in one interview to bash Alvin Bragg, Carl Heasty, and uh, your other friend there. Did and, he really? And by, he did didn't he, bash any of them. Did he didn't he, bash any of them. Yeah, he, he, did, he, he thought Alvin Bragg was doing a good job. Hey, Alvin, how about locking up the people that are robbing, murdering people, carrying guns, you fat fool? And on this little midget up there, the head of the assembly, he doesn't want to do anything. He's going to move an inch. He's going to say, well, I'm going to look at Bill. Why don't you look at the statistics that are in the papers? 72% of the New Yorks want this bail reform taken out. Yep. What about democracy? Do we have democracy in the state? Or is it only the legislatures that get money? Why does heaven see have $50 million in money from unions, teachers, yeah. unions, eleven ninety nine, yeah. thirty two bj What's BJ? What? Blowjob. <laughs> I don't know. Is that right to say? BJ. I don't get, but I will say this with Heasty. Of course, he represents uh, the 83rd District. Democrats are mostly black. And those are the are people the victims. that are mad. Right. They're the mad. Victims. Now you had my civil rights leaders that I have a lot of respect. They went up to Albany yesterday and they're saying, I think they had pitchforks and what they call those, and, and uh, <laughs> torches there. They're getting sick and tired. You know what? When you become a victim, and the most of the victims in these inner cities are minority yes, victims. Yes. And, and the reality, you had Mark Levin talking about 2020 guns. Let me give the statistics for the CDC. And Mr. O'Reilly, please listen up to the real statistics, okay? In 2022, there were 20,138 firearm deaths. That excluded homicides that were caused by suicide. A homicide is a homicide. Whether you got shot or you shoot yourself, totaling almost 48,000 people wow. shot. Now, all the mass gun shooting psychopaths, there were 672 out of the over 20,000 people shot with these mass shootings. So everybody likes to jump on board the old gravy train. And again, I got to talk about these guys. I got to talk about them. Michael Colazaro, former Marine, and his partner there, Rex, uh, uh, Rex, what's his name? The other cop down there. Oh, well, in Nashville. Yeah. Oh, all, those two guys are great. All I can say is 
When you watch that video of how they went after this shooter. Unbelievable. Wow. And that's what I talk you actually, about. They actually show in the video I watched in the gym yesterday. They, they show them shooting. Uh-huh. Well, listen to yeah, this. Buddy. That's why we got these offices all across our country and in this great city. They started with $45,000 a year. And then expect them to walk into gunfire. Right. And then they don't even support them when they walk into gunfire. <laughs> this is the epitome of what cops are. They'll give their lives up so you and your family can go home. Now, all of a sudden, the LBGQ, EI, ABCDEFG, I don't even know what the hell it is right now. I don't know. I mean, people are sucking horses. I don't know, and I really don't care. Now they don't want to release this this whole dossier that she wrote, he, she, thing. The manifest. That manifest. They yes. don't want to release it. You know why? Why? Because it's going to talk about exactly what it's supposed to talk about. And then they go, well, it's going to make more people who have transient, transformers. Uh, what do they call them? Transformers? <laughs> what the hell do they call those things that switch their thing? Transformers. Transformers. Yeah. <laughs> so they don't want that release because it's going to make more transformers start to shoot people. And now, you know, there's a statistic that I'm looking up that these people that do this transforming stuff, there's a major suicide rate with them. Major. It doesn't have to be them shooting down a school. No. It doesn't have to be them shooting themselves. Maybe they jump off a building. Maybe they jump in front of a train. Maybe they take drugs and die. My point is, there's something to this. And you know what? I respect. I respect whatever you want to do. Yeah. And my point is right now, you don't hurt other people. No. Like I said on our show earlier this week, if this lady, man, thing, whatever, whatever you want to call it, right? If that thing wanted to kill themselves, they should have started, put the gun right. in her, his mouth. That's right. Pull your brains out. Don't shoot those little baby kids and all those heroes in that school. You, I can't even call it. I don't know what to call it. What is it? Monster. It's they a know monster. your mother. Your mother calls it. Creature from the White House. That's it. I love your mom. Yeah, can I use that term, creature? Absolutely. All right. But that's what's that's what's really going on. And 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 and, and in reality, did you watch our friend Senator Cruz? I oh, love oh, that he guy. was great. He beat up Mallorca so badly little, a couple of days ago. He looked like oh. you know, he looked like he looked like a midget. You. <laughs> he looked like a four foot tall Sid without yeah. the muscles. Sid yeah. there. You know, I don't know. Little girls are being raped by these cartels. They're human trafficking, and this fool sits there like the fool he is. And whose fault is it? Who put him in there? The other fool, Biden. And then you go. Let's just go down the line. And then who's the Secretary of State? That moron. Oh, that that would be Blinken. Blinken. Yeah, he's Blinken. Every time he talks to the Chinese, they chop him down. Remember what I say about any companies? Doing business with China, stop. Because you're doing business with people that we're going to see mushroom crowds, mushroom clouds one day. Here in the city? Uh, you're going to see them That's all over the place. Chang says. And you want to know something? Gordon Chang ain't too far out. Because I was in China when I, I that little piece of garbage company, I, they come to me, oh, Bo, we give you tens of millions of dollars of security work on container ships. They gave me nothing. <laughs> I told them, I told that little <laughs> fried rice eater, get out of here. Get, get out of my office. I said, before I punch you right out. I went to, I went to Beijing. We well, had all the generals there. Every company said are under the CPP, Communist Party of China. So anybody doing business, I tell you what, and what are you going to do when they stick you up? You're going to sue Communist China? Please. First of all, if you do any business with China, you should stop because they're coming after us. They have a 40-year plan, 
Sid. Let the listeners understand a forty-year plan. It'll be less to take over the It'll world. Be less. Oh no, it started. Taiwan. Uh, it started so a while. Right. Oh, Taiwan's going to go down next. Right. Oh. And then I want to see uh, the chocolate chip ice cream eating fool <laughs> with his doctor wife. Yeah, she's a doctor like I'm an astronaut. Give me a freaking break, <laughs> PhD. Leave me alone. Oh, oh well, all I can say is that we do have some serious problems there, Sid. And uh, you know what? It's so great to come on your show Thank you. and, 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 and be here and be able to talk and be able to talk and tell the truth and not watch my words. No, no, no. Because no, I have no. such great support by our great owner of this station. Of course. Because you know what this is? We should call this America's Freedom Station. Well, then let me ask you this, because yeah. you're right, and, and uh, I feel the same way about John Katzmatidis and yeah. Chad. So then what do you think about Andrew Cuomo on the station last night? Well, a lot well, of play the last couple of days. Well, I, I listened to some of it. He didn't answer any of the questions. I mean, he slips right out like a slippery s- scumbag eel that he is. And he is a scumbag, and I know him, and I tell him to his face. And then when you had loved ones, God forbid, well, I didn't have my mom and dad when this all happened. Yeah. God forbid. Well, I, did. I, 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 I never saw my father. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of people that lost loved ones, and he sits there. I didn't do this. I didn't do that. You're a liar. You're a liar. Okay, you came on twice. I really do believe that we should not give him a microphone. The only microphone he should have is maybe down the block there talking into one of these megaphones. And he shouldn't be on the station. I do agree with that because okay. he's a scumbag. Okay. And even when we talk about scumbags, we brought that other guy who was uh, molesting little children. What was his name? Which guy was He's that? on the air with us. That little, the bona nose. Anthony Weiner. Yeah, yeah, little Weiner, yeah. I'm against that, too. This was children he was involved with. Hey, you got to draw the line. You can forgive and forget. I tell you what, Anthony, you want to do the show? You should take Saul Peter. I don't want to look at that guy, bona nose. And we forgive and forget. I don't forgive and forget. When you make a move on us, we don't forgive and forget. And Fox, I'm waiting because I know you're listening. I'm waiting to come before you. Suzanne... I'm waiting. Put me on a lie detector box. Do whatever you want. Otherwise, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep coming. Because right now, there is a chaos at Fox News. They're fighting with each other. Tuck is hitting Hannity. And they found out that this was this Dominion election thing was all for Gazy. But yet they were pushing that narrative to people that turn into the news. I want to watch the news. I want to hear about you. I want to see what the actual news is. But they slighted it, and now they lied about it, and they got caught in their lies. <laughs> Bye-bye, dickhead. Remember the good fellas when I, uh, yes, when I, I tasted do. the cocaine? <laughs> yeah, what did I say? Bye-bye, dickhead. Yeah, bye-bye, dickhead. <laughs> Again, Fox News, I enjoyed it. I was 12 years. Yeah. I was a contributor 12 years. Yeah. I was part of the family. And you know what they did? They threw me to the curb for no reason. It's like garbage. And, the, and you know what? All these people that stepped up, they were giving away tens of millions of dollars on all kinds of fugazi things just to shut people up. But now the rooster's going to come home to roost. What do you say with that? Uh, the, uh, Lewis, what exactly is that um, saying? The roosters coming home to roost. They, right? they got some yeah. roosters. Yeah. They got some roosters. But, uh, listen. But again, Sid, it's, it's just wonderful. Wonderful to have the opportunity to speak at this station. And I wouldn't trade coming here for nowhere. Well, Maybe they'll take me out of the straitjacket. <laughs> but I'll be honest with you, I truly, when I say something, I really oh, feel I it. And as far as my friend Eric Adams goes, you got to step up, man. And we got to really understand something. 
This bail reform thing is so important. They said that this little guy, uh, uh, Hasties, whatever his name is, he's going to move a little bit of an inch. That's what he said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, how about we start investigating all the money you've got in your pofa? <laughs> Every one of these legislatures, all they are loaded with money. And where's the money come from? Yeah. When they give raises to all the union people. That's it. All right, Bo Needle, another amazing appearance. You folks, eat them up. Every Thursday morning at 9.05, my man, Bo Dito. All right. All right, baby. I love you. We'll take a short break. Come back. The Cinderella story of the Final Four about to go down on Saturday night in Houston. Miami taking on UConn. And little FAU in Boca Raton about to take on San Diego State. We'll talk to the head coach of FAU basketball, a terrific guy, Dusty May, right here on Sitting Friends in the Morning after an on-fire Bo Dito. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. But you didn't think I knew how to rock and roll. All right, that was a great appearance by Bo Deedle. Hey, no, something's all over here, will you, pal? We've had a great show today, and Mayor Eric Adams... Terrific at 740, Judge Napolitano, 805. Bill O'Reilly was great. Bo Dito was great. But I must tell you that I'm very excited about my next conversation. You know, I lived in Boca Raton for 16 years and uh, lived west. Had a house uh, just west of Yamato in 441. And uh, my kids, in fact, Dave and Gabe, went to school right across the street. Great elementary school, great middle school. We moved back to New York in 2016. But uh, in my 16 years living in Boca, I lived about two miles away from Florida Atlantic University. And yesterday, I told you the story earlier, yesterday I had my teeth cleaned by my dentist here in Tribeca. But all those years in Boca, my dentist was in Del Rey, a guy named Richard Stoller, who's a great guy, happens to be the dentist for FAU. So um, I got to know a lot of the guys there. Howard Schnellenberger was a friend of mine for years uh, certainly Mike Jarvis, he coached the basketball team, Matt Doherty, uh, Sidney Green, all these guys. And then I left and came back to New York, and, you know, lo and behold, years later, FAU is in the Final Four. Unbelievable. I'm so happy for Katrina, for Richard Stoller, for Boca Raton, for all my friends and family still living there. But i got to give a ton of credit to the coach, Dusty May. What a great story this is. In his fourth year at FAU to get the team to this level. So without further ado, here he is, the coach of one of the final four teams getting ready to take on San Diego State in Houston on Saturday night, the great Dusty May. Dusty, good morning, pal. How are you? I'm doing great, Sid. How are you? I'm doing great. You know, you have to know that when I got to Florida, Dust, okay, I'm a Northeast kid. I spent most of my life in New York. So I never cared about college football. I just didn't, you know. I was a college basketball guy. I used to tell people down in Florida, I would give up Super Bowl tickets to get courtside seats at the Big East tournament at Madison Square Garden. They thought I was nuts. So when I tried to talk college basketball, all the program directors down there were like, Sid, no good. Miami Hurricanes are having spring practice. Whatever it was, they tried to move me away from any college basketball talk. And now you got two South Florida teams in the Final Four. So I imagine, Dusty, things have changed. Absolutely, man. You factor in Nova Southeastern just won a Division II national championship. Basketball is booming in South Florida, and we're happy to have a hand in that. It's a great time. 
it really is a great time for college basketball down there. But for you specifically, uh, Dusty, in uh, in your fourth year, this is probably a question you get all the time. Uh, I know some of these kids got older. They're seniors, obviously. But what's the difference? Why do you think this year you're enjoying this immense success? Well, we, I told everyone that would listen, we were on the verge last year. We were, we were right on the cusp and just didn't get it done. And, and we felt like we were a guard short. And then we had Nick Boyd sitting out, who played a lot as a freshman, and he yep. was injured last year. And then we added Jalen Gaffney, and both of those guys brought a completely different dimension to our team. Uh, Nick with his leadership and scoring and his overall just confidence and belief. And then Jalen Gaffney, his poise under pressure, he's been a big moment. So I think you just inject those two guys into a, a team that's already pretty darn good that just couldn't get over the hump, and, and now you have magic happen. But, uh, it's a special, special group of people. I say it all the time. I don't think I'll ever coach a team that buys into being as unselfish and together as these groups again. I pinch myself, not because I'm in the Final Four, but because I'm a member of a group that is this unique. You know, Dusty, for people that don't know your story, so you're at Florida, right? You're up in Gainesville, the northern part of the state, and uh, Curry's out. The FAU job becomes available. And the story goes that you took the job at FAU, without even going to look at the school. And I know things have changed, and Katrina and the university have done a great job with the facilities, and it's up to par. But I guess when you took over four years ago, it wasn't exactly. (laughs) Uh, And the story is Dusty May had a little buyer's remorse. How about now? (laughs) I've bought a a lot of houses and and regretted a few of them after that. That's buyer's remorse. I don't know what to call what happened after that, but... It was a little bit different. When I came down, I fell in love with the people. I fell in love with the area. The campus, our campus looks like a five-star resort. And then I get to the athletic facilities. And at that time, they were really far behind from, you know, where, what we needed to do to recruit. So um, it was a moment of weakness. And, and factored into it, I was terribly happy in games. So I loved our guys, loved the staff, didn't want to move. My kids were in junior high and high school. All the other things that go into this uh, profession that we chase uh, around the country and whatnot. So, a lot went into it, but it was it was a moment of weakness. My wife told me essentially, you made the decision, you get to work, and, and uh, we'll be fine. You'll figure it out. So uh, that gave me some confidence. The next day, once we got started getting the staff together and, and more people working, uh, pulling in the same direction, then then it became a lot easier. But initially, I was uh, I felt like I I committed cruelty. <laughs> listen, I, I've been to those facilities. I was there early on, and uh, you know, listen, Howard Schnellenberger. People don't know this. I know you know this, Dusty. But the reason why Joe Namath went to Alabama was not because of Bear Bryant. It was Howard Schnellenberger who convinced Namath's mother in Pennsylvania to go to Alabama. And then, of course, he had those Dolphin days. And I went to Miami to see you know, Dusty, right after Bernie Kosar beat Nebraska under Howard Schnellenberger. People don't realize this, Dusty. When Schnellenberger was in Miami, the four quarterbacks on the roster were Mark Richt, Jim Kelly, Vinny Testaverde, and Bernie Kosar. So he played a major role in my life when he built that football stadium and things started to change at FAU. It became a brand-new institute. How about the job that Howard Schnellenberger did at your school? Well, I mean, he's an icon. I mean, there's a there's a statue of him for a reason. Uh, he put FAU on the map. When you know, we're not. I, I tell people all the time, we're not a 150 year old land grant institution where we have all these older donors and we have this enormous fan base. But what we have is a, is a booming area in a, in a in a university that's growing exponentially. So we're proud to be a part of it. We're proud to promote this place, much like Coach Schellenberger did. And uh, you know, the sky's the limit for FAU.
You know, Dusty, I know that you came uh, work with a couple of big-time coaches uh, around guys like Bobby Knight, around guys like Mike Davis, uh, one of the Rups, of course, uh, and, of course, in Florida all those years. So you've been around some uh, some really big coaching greats as now you have your own success as a head basketball coach. I imagine the answer is Bobby Knight, but is there one guy that really influenced you to be the coach you are today? Well, obviously growing up idolizing Coach Knight and, and being there for four years learning from him was a great experience. But I would say Coach White at Florida. Yeah, he's now at Georgia. And we work together at Florida and Louisiana Tech. But, you know, because we're close in age, because we, we shared a similar background and experience, I, he was able to share his thought process every step of the way, his vulnerability. So it really – I felt like it helped me become a better coach because I could think like a head coach. Yeah and not be under the pressure that the head coach is in. So I, I, I credit him for, for a lot of our success. Two more quickly, we'll let you go. You beat Kansas State Saturday night. You get back Monday night to Boca Raton. I, was, I actually was on the phone with Katrina and Stoller right before. You guys get back to the university, and there is a bath, a bath of enthusiastic fans and people with their cell phones outside ready to welcome you back. What was that feeling like when you got back to the university in Boca and all the fans were out there waiting for you? You know, it's, it's all these moments, it's just it's really cool to watch our players. You know, they two years ago they were barely recognizable on campus, and now to see them showered with, with the, the applause and people and appreciation, it, it's great for them. You can see the look in their face to, to, to be proud of what they're doing. So it's, it's just a cool mo- a moment to just sit back and watch. But yeah. Uh, life changed drastically for all of us. And how do you match up? Uh, you know, these, these games are about matchups now. We're down to hopefully two games for you, a win over San Diego State, Dusty, then a win over Miami or Connecticut to bring that championship trophy back to Boca. How do you match up against San Diego State favorably and maybe not? Well, they're, they're very similar to Tennessee. So depending on how, how we move the ball, how we cut, can we create space and gaps? And we match up pretty well because they're, they're difficult to score on. If we're stagnant and we try to play one-on-one basketball, it's probably going to be a tough night for us. We're very confident no matter what style of play, if it's an up-and-down game or a defensive battle, we'll be able to hang around and, and, and uh, just hold it, hold, a, hold it in the road until we can go on one of our spurts. Regardless of what happens against San Diego State and the possibility of playing Miami or UConn in the finals, just getting to the Final Four, like Larinaga did with George Mason, quite frankly, now he's there too with Miami, uh, just getting to the Final Four is so huge for your school. What does this mean, Dusty May, for recruiting in the near, right now in this future for FAU in Boca Raton? Well, it's, it's huge because name recognition is big. Whenever these young men are being recruited by schools, we call it the cafeteria effect. And if you've been played you've won a national championship or, or made to the national championship game or played the final four, you have a lot more credibility in the cafeteria when, when these young men are, are, are talking to their peers and, and things like that. So, And I'm also just to put our players and our style of play and the way we do things on a national stage for everyone to watch, it makes it easier because then they can decide that they want to be a part of that and the way we do things, or is it not the right fit for them? So it also uh, expediates the recruiting process a little bit because everyone knows exactly who we are. So I imagine when Dusty May goes to see Nick Wood at New York Prime or Peter Kramer at Mateo's or Aben Louis or uh, Seasons 52, any one of those great Boca Raton restaurants, you walk in now, you're like the king, right? <laughs> well, I'm a homebody by nature, but I'm definitely going to make the rounds this spring and make sure we let everybody know we appreciate them following us and supporting us and all that. But, Sid, you, 
sounds like you have a great taste in food. You, you rattle off the places. <laughs> I knew them all. Every bagel place, every Italian restaurant, dust, every steakhouse, all of them. And I love living there. I was there for 16 years. It's a beautiful place. And I'm really happy for you. You're a stand-up, terrific guy. I'm happy for the school and the success. I wish you uh, great luck against San Diego State on Saturday night. And bring that trophy back to Boca Raton. Super job, Dusty May. Thank you so much. All right, so let me know when you're in Boca. A bagel on me. Oh, you got it. Okay, I'll make that happen. There he is, a bagel on Dusty May, the head coach at FAU. What a super guy and an incredible story, a Cinderella story. Little FAU in Boca Raton, part of the Final Four, coming up on Saturday night against San Diego State. Again, two miles away from my house all those years. Thanks again to Katrina and Richard Stoller for making that happen. FAU will take on San Diego State in the first game, and Connecticut will take on Miami in the second game. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy! Now, it's time for Sid's Take. Good luck. It's Sid's Take. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. Man, my mind is moving on a mile an hour. That quick. Uh, you meant faster, probably. Yeah, faster than a mile an hour. Well, an hour is slower than a snail. Well, if you watched uh, The Office, Lewis, you would know oh, the that's joke. a reference to the... Sorry, the comedic genius of one oh. Michael Scott. Yes, Steve Carell and uh, as his friends know him. Yeah, but you're stuck in the past watching like Gilligan's Island and well, stuff like that. Because I'm old, I get it. You no, know, hey, hey now. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> can't fool me. Humor on a Thursday. Justin Ellick here, your host for the Peerless Spoilers Sit Stake Trivia Game. Again, sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Spoilers. You got to go to PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you because they are the world's. Best built boilers. Our contestant, Dennis, out in New Jersey. What's going on, Denny? How's it going? Well, it's going, man. It's Friday Eve, and uh, we're just one day closer to the weekend. How about that? That's great. You uh, Mets or Yankees fan? You got any big plans for opening day today? Uh, big time Mets fan. All right. Well, uh, you guys are looking good going into the season. Looking better than the Yanks, in my humble opinion, and that's coming from a Yankees fan. As long as we beat the Yankees, that, that's that's first. Yeah. Yeah, see, that's your problem. You care you care too much about an American League ball club, you know? No. <laughs> all right, you ready for the game today? Not at all. What's that? You ready? Yes, I am. All right, three for Thursday. I'll give you three hints. you got to tell me what I'm thinking of, okay? Okay. All right, number one, Boogie Cookie Loch Ness. Say that, could you say that again? Boogie Cookie and Loch Ness. Monsters. There you go. One for one. On to number two. Pencil, walrus, and handlebar. Uh, mustache. There you go. He's rolling. Two for two. On to number three. The bucket, bad habits, a football. Bucket, bad habits, and football. Things with laces. Oh. Things that you kick. Oh. Two for three. On to number four. Cuban, po'boy, and Italian. Uh, famous subs or sandwiches? Yeah, there you go. Three for four. 
He's doing well on to number five. In an attempt to go four for five, baseball, cricket, vampire. Dennis? Uh, things with things that, with bats. There you go. Oh, my God. Dennis. Wow. Wow. That was very good on the last one there, Dennis. I, didn't, I think that was a tough one. Four for five. Yeah. That, that was luck. Yeah. Well, good luck. And uh, you'll hang out on hold here. Sydney's in the middle of a conversation at the worst possible time. So he's coming in now. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. All right. Dennis is going to hang out on hold. Sid will give his best effort here to go. This uh, Anthony Volpe story is a big deal. Well, he's wearing number 11. He's wearing number 11. Yeah. After Mark Messi. I actually predicted that. Bill Sims. I predicted that. He wanted to wear 77, and I was like, you can't wear 77. Now, what's 11 on the Yanks? Fred Stanley. Oh, Chicken Stanley. Dog loves that guy. I think, um, it's, I think it is Fred He Fred actually Stanley. mentioned it, but I'm like, hey, put Roy White in Memorial uh, Monument. Yeah, and he goes, uh, we well, want to put Fred Chicken Stanley in there? I go, <laughs> they had Mickey Klutz on that team, too. I think yeah. you could debate that Brett Gardner is a better known uh, number 11. No, that's a good point. one. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, okay. And, and look, I, I, I'll listen to that. All right, <laughs> yeah. if you want to make that argument. But I like I like number 11. That's uh, 1 plus 1 equals 2. That's Jeter. I like it. Yeah. Volpe's going to hit like 130. No, Never get it. on base. I think he's going to win Rookie of the Year. I hope he does. He's a Jersey guy and he's Italian. What's <laughs> better than Italian from Jersey like Frank Italian? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Now, let's go. Hey, where's the ZD? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number, number one, three for Thursday. Three hints. you got to tell me what I'm thinking of. Number one, Boogie Cookie. Loch Ness. Monsters. There you go. Yeah. Boogie Monster? Yeah, the, like, the, like the Boogeyman. Oh, okay, right, 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 yeah. right. Okay. One for one, under number two. <laughs> you got it. Well, because of Loch Ness, I can't, I can't think of anything else. But yeah. <laughs> Pencil, walrus, handlebar. Pencil, walrus. Oh, uh, uh, mustache. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Two for two. I think. How many did Dennis get? Four for five. You got to oh, go okay. perfect. Small guy. Right. Three. Number three. Two for two. The bucket. Bad habits. A football. The bucket. Bad habits and a football. A football. Mm. The water boy. No. Loser. What was it? Things that you kick. Look, kick the bucket. Kick. The- okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> I'd like to kick you in the face right now. <laughs> giggity, giggity. On to number four. Yeah. you got to get the rest of these right. Or it's just What's a tie. to me? Well, you just out of I'm in New York. You can't even imprison me. Uh, <laughs> I'll right. call Alvin Bragg. Yeah. <laughs> Cuban. Cuban. Po' boy. Po' boy. Italian. Uh, those are uh, 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 the sandwich. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah there you, go. you got half of it. Oh. They're, uh, no, they're, they're the sandwiches. Uh, what, what else were you going to say? Uh, let, yeah. let yourself say what you were going to say. I got it right, right? Yeah, you got it right. Yeah, yeah. I, I right. think. Yeah. Uh, pole boy. <laughs> yeah, pole boy. You ever have a good pole boy? Many times. Oh, all right. You say number pole boy or pole boy? Pole boy. On to number five. Baseball, cricket, vampire. Baseball and cricket. They both use a bat. Bat! Bat! (laughs) (laughs) All right, so I guess uh, Dennis and I played through a 4-4 tie. Dennis, nice job out of you. We'll come back. We'll play the Mark Levin hit one more time, and then we'll wrap things up on the epic Thursday edition of Sid and Friends. It's Sid's Take, sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC.
77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. By the way, Sid, what a weasel. What a weasel, Sid. Sid knows who he is. I'll be right back. Maybe he was talking about Cuomo there. No chance? No? No, he was talking about you. Okay. It's getting near dark. You could sit and analyze it for a little while, though. He literally says, Sid, we, and then Weasel. Right. You need more, you need more right. of it. So yeah, unless yeah. you wanted to be misinterpreted. Right. Then... So then I shouldn't feel bad about yelling at him the first 45 minutes? It's too late now. <laughs> Too late now. Too late now. I don't care anyway. Got it. I I couldn't care less. You're not going to kiss his toes? I I don't. Listen, I don't care who likes me, who doesn't like me. That goes for hosts, listeners. I like the advertisers to like me. Of course, they enjoy their money. And, uh, of course, it's a necessity that John, Marco, and Jen like me. But otherwise, I, I really don't care. I don't pray to the altar of any of these guys. I don't care. I like some of them. I've always liked Mark Levin, and I've always respected Mark That's Levin. That's right, I said it. Yeah, he's funny. It's good. Same thing with Sean, but you know, I, I don't, I I don't care. Seriously. Weasels are actually like uh, cute little animals. Is that right? Yeah. So he was being complimentary? He was calling you cute. Ah. I didn't take it like that. No, you definitely did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's calling me cute. Uh, Ralph Napolitano says, bro, I don't think he's talking about you. So there is a healthy group of people now that think he's talking about Cuomo. You know who he is. Andrew, Sid, a weasel. I don't know. Now I'll destroy that first hour. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all getting very complicated. Clear the tape. I know. It's so easy last night when people calling me up. Oh, my God, he just called you a weasel. So I think you got to go with the original consensus. I think that's too always the way to go with these things. Too late. Yeah, no, it's definitely too late. <laughs> and the bodies are in body bags already. What are you going to do? <laughs> uh, can you stop that plane for a second with those? <laughs> uh, today was fun, I have to say. Great show. All the guests were terrific. All of them, weren't they? And uh, we'll do it again tomorrow. we got a great guest list tomorrow, too. A great guest list. My crew was great again today. Lou Rapino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden. Beautiful day on a Thursday, nice and sunny here in New York City. So go out and enjoy it. And God willing, we will all be back again tomorrow morning at 6 a.m. to once again entertain you, New York City. So until then, from all of us on Sid and Friends in the Morning, to all of you, peace!